You know, Allie, a little bit of trivia. Yeah? This podcast is actually based on an obscure French podcast from the 1930s. Really? Yeah, I mean, it was turned into a fairly famous art film by Jean Renoir, but uh, originally it was a French podcast. The only main difference between this and that is uh, the original French podcast has a happy ending where the man walks away before having to see another 80s movie. You don't have a punchline. I was about to say, I was about to say, balls. (laughs) Well, that works either way. Welcome to A Match Made in Space. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm John Walter. Whoa, there was a gap there. Well, I I was reading uh, something else. I kind of got distracted in the middle of our intro. And and we are a married couple showing each other the 80s movies of our childhood. Hey, they can't all be winners. (laughs) For real. Um, You heard the cold open. You know what you were getting into. And this week, we did 1986's 1986's Down Down and and Out in Beverly Beverly Hills, Hills. uh, which was directed by Paul Mazursky uh, and... uh, Produced by some people. Who cares? <laughs> um, so Paul Mazursky, I, like, I was trying, he had a very familiar name, but I actually am not really that familiar with his filmographies, even though he's been nominated for five Academy Awards. Wow. Um, and uh, three times for Best Original Screenplay, once for Best Adapted, and once for Best Picture. Uh, he wrote and directed Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which I've never seen, which I think is a wife-swapping movie oh. uh, from the late 60s. Like, Joy. Uh, Bloom in Love, don't know that at all. Harry and Tonto, I've heard of, but don't know what it's about. And Moscow on the Hudson, which I believe has Robin Williams in it, um, but I've never seen. It's from 1984. Um, it may one day get onto the podcast, but we have a really long list of movies that neither of us have seen that like we're more interested in. I have to say that my biggest problem right now is trying to find these movies, some of these movies that I want to show you. Uh, without having to, like... Spend money. Yeah, pony up the money for Yeah, that. I've been really lucky lately and that yeah. most of the movies I've been wanting to show you are either um, in the library or on YouTube. I have, like, a, t- <laughs> I have like a 10 list that I can't seem to find the podcast... Find the find the movies that I want to show you. So I have to uh, I have to do some more digging and see if there's other... We, we like the library a lot because the library is yeah. free. I got to look around and see if there's any in the area that have some of the ones that I've been looking for. Anyway, sidebar. So let's get back to Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Right. So anyway, Down and Out in Beverly Hills was, as you might have gathered from the um, from the cold open that we did, um, it was adapted, actually, well, very loosely adapted, a la Roxanne being adapted from Cyrano de Bergerac. Right. Loosely. Actually, more loosely even than that. Yeah. But it's adapted from a, a French play. Um, I'm going to pronounce this. I'm going to massacre this pronunciation. Uh, Boudou Suave de Wois. Where are you looking? Right there. What am I not? Oh, oh, Suave Desu. Desu. Okay. Anyway, it's uh, Baudu saved from the waters, uh, or Baudu saved from drowning. Uh, that was the, that. That was the uh, the film uh, that was turned into a film directed by Jean Renoir, but it was originally from a play by Rene Fauchois or something like that. I could not possibly pronounce it. Uh, the main <laughs> difference that the, uh, the main difference I seem to see from this, other like basically, it's the the original movie is about uh, apparently about he's a homeless man who's saved from drowning in the Seine in right. Paris, taken home. You know, he does a lot of the same things in the movie, specifically seducing the housemaid and the wife. 
Um, Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone who's watched, listened to this podcast at this point, uh, you know, like we, we know every movie we do, do is like 30 years old or more. Um, <laughs> they're going to get spoiled. Well, the whole point um, of the podcast is Yeah, we're, we're, we're just a big, we're, we're, we should just call it John and Allie, Allie spoil everything, including their marriage. Um, but um, essentially the main thing, the main difference is that the, the ending is a little different in like the homeless man goes to like. We'll, we'll get to our, the ending of this one, but the homeless man in the movie is, is like there's he's being he's going to marry the housemaid. In the end, he uh, like he's on, like the marriage is taking place on a boat in the river, and he basically like like capsizes the boat and floats away, like like to escape from the the dreary uh, you know middle class life of this of the play of the play. Huh. The movie is more upper class than middle class. Yes, I, but the movie is like definitely showing like it's. It's it's up the ante of comparison uh, because it obviously takes place in Beverly Hills. Um, so let's just before we get started, because um, I think we can introduce the characters as we get going. But I think the top three that we need to just sort of lay out are in this movie are Richard Dreyfus who plays Dave. Right, Richard Dreyfus plays <clears throat> Dave. Uh, he's the owner of the house, which we'll get to about that. Yeah, yeah. His wife, Dave is, Whitehead. No, yes, Whitehead. Whiteman. Whiteman. The name, the name Whiteman. Of, not Whiteman. Whiteman. The na- yeah, which makes more sense. The name of his. Um, company is dave bar yeah so he, um, makes, he makes hangers that are so, bars made of metal <laughs> well i thought maybe you didn't know that you seemed a little confused i was more just looking at you because okay um because <laughs> I, I look a lot like nick nolte his, right now his wife his wife uh is bet midler barbara and um yeah and, uh, and, and then, then, his, the, and then, then the interloper the homeless man that they will uh, bring into their life is uh played by nick nolte and is named jerry baskin yes all right so Let's, yeah. I say let's dive into the movie and then we'll introduce the other Yeah, all right. So uh, basically we, we open up with kind of almost the exact same beginning as they live. Yeah. Like it's like a bunch of homeless people in L.A. <laughs> uh, it really uh, – oh, it actually – first actually we we, um, we open with um, like a mix that – the mix I'm less familiar with of Once in a Lifetime, which is from the Stop Making Sense movie. It's actually probably the mix more people are familiar with than not. Because that was actually the the redone version of Once in a Lifetime from Stop Making Sense was actually what was the hit on MTV. But who's it? But who? But who? It's by it's by the Talking Heads. Okay, Come just, on, I just want to, but not everybody does. But, it, but anyway, like yeah, I was like give I, them I, their due. I am I am probably one of the uh, I'm, I'm I'm absurdly strange amongst fans of the Talking Heads in that I don't much care for the the soundtrack of uh, of Stop Making Sense. Like I, I like it's not it's not even my favorite Talking Heads live album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, my favorite is the name of the band is Talking Heads, uh, which is an older one where David Byrne introduces every song basically with this song is called this <laughs> because David Byrne is fantastically and obviously on the spectrum. Um, but um, so we, we also begin with something that you're never going to see out of the 80s unless it's a parody, which is the font Oh yeah, of this movie. Oh yeah, can we talk about the 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 baby blue and baby pink neon font oh. from this movie? It is so. It is, it is screaming. It is 1980s. not just the eighties. Yeah, it's nineteen eighty six. It is exactly the like just past the mid eighties. <laughs> like it, like it is, if I wanted to pick a more perfect example of nineteen eighty six, I don't know that I could have. Like this. Well, this is this is during that weird period of the '80s when everything looked like Miami, even if it wasn't in Miami. Yes, yes, and all the furniture has that sort of rounded it's, piece look, with that silver around the the, the band. The bedroom that oh they God. are in in this 
movie would make Blanche Devereaux be ashamed. Yeah, she would. She would probably <laughs> like, be like, "Oh, that's too much." That like, is, she, oh, honey, that she, is honey, that's too, too much. much. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, like, uh, let's talk about the bedroom when, when we first pan in. Like after we see the homeless people roaming around, and we see a, a, a little bit of Nick Nolte what with his punk rock dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's looks like Benji Car- with a mohawk. Carowack. Carowack, his name is dog. You don't find that for later, yeah, but, but um. But essentially, and by the way, I kind of want there to be like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead movie about the adventures of Kerouac. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. But we go into this, like we pan across this bedroom. And I swear, did George W. Bush paint the portrait of the two of oh them that are hanging above their bed? Like, no shade because I can't paint for shit, but oh my God. I'm not that great a painter, but I'm a decent draftsman. And it was apparently painted by a crew member. Yeah. Um, like, because I, I saw their name Probably twice the in the credits. Maybe. But, well... Yeah, I got, you know, I don't know. This movie has a, well, I guess maybe they're just not a draftsman, but it is, it is a sloppy painting. It is, it is, it, it, it looks, I mean, it would be very good if it was like painted by a 14 year old. Yeah. Like, I'd be like, yeah. yeah like if that was that, hanging uh, up in like, you know, like Georgie V's. Yeah, like, yeah, I was going to say, I was, I was specifically, I was going to, I was going to be vaguer than that so that people would like be able to universalize their experience. But you know, like the ways like certain restaurants and diners will sometimes have like artwork from the local high schools, yeah. like, like the Hubbock little contest, to, like be like, I was, uh, I, I, I drew a, a picture of a turkey for a wildlife art con- contest when I was in high school that ended up hanging up at A.W. Shucks. Wow. Uh, the the oyster place uh, down at the market in Charleston, and I got a fifty dollar gift card to eat there, and I took my friends, my my punk friends, out there. I was uh, I was seventeen years old. I took my punk rock friends out to eat, eat fried seafood, and hilariously enough, they seated us at the table with my drawing. So they're my, my pencil okay. drawing, my very detailed pencil drawing of a turkey head, like a vile. Like I I, I drew it specifically because it was the ugliest thing I ever. It was just covered in boils and grossness. They're like, yeah, like a turkey's head. It's all wrinkly. And mm-hmm. nasty and shiny and warty and na- and waddly and gobbly, yeah. And I, for some reason, I guess I guess uh, they didn't care that I drew the grossest thing because I drew it very well. Well, I was about <laughs> to say, like you are. This is the weirdest humble brag I've ever done. No, you're this, but you're a seriously good artist. Like you're a seriously good draftsman. You your cartoons are johnwalter.com if you're interested in seeing what he's done. But is anyway, it re- yeah. Is it really just my name that yes. I really? Get, I scored it against that other John Walter that lives in Chicago that always always shows on the fucking Google searches. Yes. John fucking Walter Purdue died. graduate redhead weirdo. I mean, you can look it up right now for yourself. Man. No, I know you're right. I no. just I, I totally thought it was JohnWalterDraws.com, but you're right. No, it is it's just JohnWalter.com. John and um and uh but I, okay, so I, but I'm gonna I, I, this is not really a one up, but it is a total brag. This is no humble brag here. Oh, oh my god, are you gonna talk about how you were an extra on early edition? No, no, no. no. This <laughs> she was an extra on early edition. This has to do with the painting. Oh, I actually, thought, this, is, oh. this is actually something you painted something in a Brown's Chicken commercial as a child. No, you know, Allie actually caused a shooting at Brown's Chicken. That Shut up. Why would you say that? That is so horrible. <laughs> Just kidding. Noted vegetarian Allie Goodman ate pow- five pounds of chicken oh my God, on a lie. commercial when she was four years old. Oh, six. Six. Oh, <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, so um, what I was going to say was that uh, what I'm about to equate would be like you getting to to like perform by singing in front of like a, a crowd because my paint and art skills are oh are you talking about suckage they're like so bad but when i was four and i was in kindergarten we were we were learning about the dinosaurs Oh, and they they we had us painting the dinosaurs. Parking. So we 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 were we were painting, and I painted a stegosaurus uh-huh. who was crying, and <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so you. And 
Alan and, crying Stegosaurus Goodwin. And and then well, the story grassroots behind, effort to get to get, get that nickname started. <laughs> and then my story was that Stegosaurus is crying because he wants one more chance to swing his tail into somebody, and no one will let him. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what? I you told me this story once. I completely forgot about it. And this is even more you yet. Yeah. I, this is delightful. So, so you were you were such a crying Stegosaurus. <laughs> Thank so, God you got that spare brain in your pelvis. So apparently she's the, our teacher, Mrs. Goldberg, you know, rest in peace. She was amazing. She submitted my painting, random, to the local bank. <laughs> and the bank had it up for a long time. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to I'm going to one up you with you. Okay. Because okay, so when we were um when our son was uh, like about two years old, we started taking there's a, there's a program for young toddlers, uh, for, like it's really for parents. It's called Mom's Morning Away, which is very sexist as a stay at home dad. At it the really, time. it really is. Because I was I was the primary person watching Jackson in the morning while while Allie worked. But you could take we, we we took our son. It would be for a couple of hours. He would be watched with like a little preschool with a bunch of other two and three year olds. It's and, a great, it's a great program. And the park building, district building that we were at, used to be a school. <laughs> And it used to be, I think. I didn't know where you were going. And I, I, I know where you're going. And I think it used to be Alley's school, right? It, no, it wasn't my school. It was. I did camps there. You did camps there. Okay. Right, by the time, actually, my brother, they had, they still had kindergarten there. He took kindergarten there, and then they moved out of that school. Oh, it's it's so obviously an old school. It's, it's an got old like school. those glass bricks and everything. Yeah, it's and, an old school. And, but in the front hallway, Alley pointed out to me <laughs> that there were like there's all these little like student artwork, like they're like clay like tiles with yeah. like clay artwork that's been like fire in a kiln. That's you know like it's permanent you know like clay artwork and she's like that's for my class i was like what you know like when you were like eight years old or whatever Mm -hmm. but now Allie did this drawing of a dog it wasn't a drawing it's a it's not a drawing a sculpture like a bas relief relief, but i don't know how to pronounce it i i I do art i don't think about art (laughs) but it was like you know like the 3d you know like like sculpture of a dog wearing a superman cape and actually i'm not gonna drag you for this it was fine it's a cute little draw thing but, but her friend, friend, which is like right above or slightly off from it, yes. there is, and this is so obviously 1984, because you, you were eight, it was so obviously explain, 1984. Before you explain it, let me explain what the theme was. They told us that the theme was dreams and wishes, okay? <laughs> yes. Yeah, which so, is what is important. So, so Ali wanted Crypto the super dog, apparently. I did, I want, yes. <laughs> uh, she didn't know who Crypto was at the time, but clearly that's what you were clearly dreaming that's of. What, actually, but, can, I, can I just explain that it's because in Strange Brew... Oh yeah, the, the dog. dog. Yeah, <laughs> you were destined to make an '80s podcast, um, which is weird because I was destined to pee on a brewery fire. But so anyway, like slightly above, and I think maybe one square over is her friends, and it's you know it's done in that style of like well of an eight year old. So you're like, is that what I think it is? And I remember looking at it going, is Allie, is, is that Mr. T in a pair of tidy whities <laughs> Because apparently that was her friend's dream. Oh, she actually had a dream of Mr. Mr. T in his underwear. <laughs> Which I guess Mr. T was probably just like the most 1984 sexual awakening of a child that ever there was. Oh my God. So anyway, I'm so anyway the title told me to stay in school and not to do drugs. You know Mr. We, T, by the way, Mr. T was, by the way, yeah. the only black man in the like with a mohawk that you can imagine in the 1980s that my very conservative Christian family admired. Huh? 
Uh, he was very popular among Southern Baptists because he was openly Christian. Oh, that's yeah, like, like, you know, like because he was a very openly Christian uh, celebrity who was apparently very polite. I, I, and I, if there's one, if there's one thing Southern Baptists don't like, it's black people. But if there's one thing they do like, it is polite black people. I, I, I was going to say that that we might want to go and take a take a photo of the that. Section. I think people should just. I think I think people should just have to drive to uh, the park. District. Yeah, right. They have to. They but should I was make a pilgrimage. Say you, could, you could post it on on the on the site. I could, but that would involve a degree of work that maybe I'll do and maybe I won't. We'll find out. Yeah. I mean, it's like maybe I put sloppy seconds on that episode. Maybe I didn't. Oh, I totally did. Oh, maybe I'll find that weirdo song that I'm about to mention, and maybe I'll put that somewhere in here because uh, we we're getting to the best part of the movie right now. <laughs> right now, like literally the best part of the movie for me, the very best part of the movie. The movie, the reason this movie was made for me was their son, who is going through a, a huge identity crisis through most of the movie. His name is Max. Max, thank in you. The movie, but I don't remember the name of the actor. Something. Uh, Mac, Evan Richards. Evan is the Richards, name. yeah. But uh, who apparently did a lot of like child acting hasn't really acted much in since recently, 2001 but, I think was his yeah. last thing but like and it, like and before that it was like 95 he was bit. like he was got, he was like a guest star on a lot of different like he shows yeah he was he was one of those guys that was like showing up playing like a teenager yeah. or like ABC family stuff and yeah, yeah a lot of that but but like <laughs> he, their 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 son is a budding filmmaker an avant-garde kid who's got an identity crisis and this was actually pretty impressive because I was like wait a minute for his movies, his film of his emotions is all these crazy cut-up images and stuff. You know, like people getting slapped, topless women, uh, Hitler shows up. Like it's just, screaming and smacking. Like, there's and... lots of screaming, smacking, explosions, craziness. But it's set to a punk song. Yes. And it's actually set to, weirdly enough, a real punk song, which you don't often... A lot of times movies like do that cheesy thing. Like the best of it, of course, being uh, Edge of Etiquette's I Hate You from uh, Star Trek Four. But, um, God, I love that song. Kirk Thatcher, you were a genius. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he liked the status of mine on, 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 oh, Twitter, on Twitter once okay. where I played I was wondering where this was coming from. He doesn't know me. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. He also plays a, he, he plays a, by the way, he is someone that they keep putting in the background as punk on street now that he's, now that he's <laughs> like, like, it, it's kind of, I think he's gradually turning into uh, the Walter Paisley, the you know the Dick the Dick Miller uh, thing, oh, where yeah, like, yeah. like Joe Dante will always put a Dick Miller character in. Right. I think that I think like filmmakers are always looking for an excuse to put Kirk Thatcher in. Or like Marvel now. always put Stanley in. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, not quite the same. That's a little <laughs> different. But um, but um, it's an actual song called Helium Bar by the Weirdos, who are a real L.A. early punk band from the '70s. Like this is not like some like fakety fake movie band and i'm really annoyed because i looked up the uh the soundtrack to try and like remember which weirdo song it was because i was like i had forgotten just before this episode and i go to like i go to check the name of the song on there and like it's not on the soundtrack these candy ass motherfuckers were afraid to put a real song put a punk song on the soundtrack oh they put once in a lifetime Stop making sense mix, you know, on there. But actually, I don't think they did. But um, but I will say, um, other things to note is that actually they did not. When they did not include Once in a Lifetime on the soundtrack either. That's weird. And they probably couldn't get the rights. Well, I mean, they so, put David Lee Roth's shitty version of California Girls on there, pretty, though. It's pretty obvious, like from from when they when the montage kind of ends and we oh wait, no, they use the, they use the real mix. They use the, the real mix of Once in a Lifetime, but not not the not when, the remix. When the when the movie opens, 
um, after this montage and after, you know, we see all this Nick Nolte and like homeless stuff and craziness going on is that we focus in on this really obviously lavish, <clears throat> expensive house in Beverly Hills. And what John is talking about is Richard Dreyfus wakes up and uh, the son has Max, who's going through the identity crisis, keeps leaving these tapes, these VHS tapes. This is an example of what, because he doesn't know how to communicate with his parents. So this and he, is how and he's he, constantly filming things. He's so got like right. a, what at the time would have been a state-of-the-art camcorder, but right. it's so fucking it's enormous. So, it looks like yeah. it looks like he's filming with a boombox. Right. So he <laughs> so he pulls like so he puts like he keeps trying to communicate with them by with these tapes. So the very first thing we see after. Uh, Richard Dreyfus wakes up as he puts in this tape to try to like figure out his damn son. Now the I have to say this like the one the one thing that this that this movie has going for it <clears throat> amongst all of its many issues as well as like delightful issues, um, but is that you do see Richard Dreyfus's character uh, Dave. He really does want to try to fix his family. He's not doing a very good job. Of yeah, it. Dave he's is going failing, through this, but, but yeah, this movie in a lot of ways is about midlife crisis. Yes. Uh, um, specifically, successful boomer midlife yes. crisis. Like, it's like, this is, I mean, maybe a couple of years older than boomer, but not really. Yeah, like, early, but like, but, and, 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 and you know, let's get out of the way right now before we forget Richard Dreyfus is a D-bag. Yeah. Um, we're, we, we're, we're not, we're, uh, we don't support we, yeah, Like, he's, he's one of the numerous people who have been come, who have come out awful. List. Like, like, I, uh, this Me Too thing is like, ma basically making it, like, I feel like it's almost impossible to watch a movie now without being like, without us having to point out, I do not condone Richard Dreyfus as a person. He does a very good job in this movie. Yes. Much like, well, then again, Gary Oldman is an awful human being and he's an excellent actor. Yes. You know, like, you just, like, it's unfortunate that, it's unfortunate that the, you know, this is a thing. But I just wanted to get that out there. But Richard Dreyfuss' character is clearly going through, like, the, like, the, like, and it's it's almost an idealized version of what yes. the boomers, like, like, that's a problem with this movie. Like, this movie is continuing that thing that started with the big chill of boomers self-mythologizing. Yes. About boomers. Yes. You know? very much like it like it is very much the you know i worked so hard to get to this place and now i feel so guilty because you know like it's it's the last vestiges of white boomer guilt before they just just shrug and said fuck it fuck let's it. let's destroy the world yep. and burn the ashes um, because they all went to therapists who said you deserve it and they yeah. all learned like oh well then i deserve this so fuck the rest of the world you, you get to be selfish you worked really hard yeah and then that's now literally that's like well, yeah exactly you know? i yeah, mean that's a very overgeneralization of it but, but no but it's a, no it's it's not it's not too far from wrong there was a whole cottage industry created in the 70s and building up through yeah. the 80s and onward basically of it was called like self-help or coping back then and when gradually you're turned into, and yeah, and it gradually turned into personal development but it's basically a whole subset of literature and not all of it is bad i will i will say that some of it is some of it is good for helping inspire people but a lot of it is built on the baseline notion that it's okay to be selfish it's okay to care about yourself more than anyone else you're not a bad person for that right and i honestly deep in my heart believe actually no you kind of are like it's okay to take care of yourself right but too many of these too many of these people and these books they they get this idea that it's the prime good is taking care of yourself and that is the only good and once you're done taking care of yourself you're done right you know like right. where as, as opposed to my personal theory about mm -hmm. self-care which is it's the oxygen mask theory on an airplane yes where 
when you when there's a crisis, you got to get that mask on yourself first so that you can so that you can survive. But the moment you get that mask on and you're breathing regularly again, you need to immediately start helping others, or you're or you're just a selfish piece well, of shit. Well, John and I started talking about. I mean, and we're going off the rails a little bit here, but I think it's important because I mean, we're going off the rails because this is another movie that's going to be hard to like. But, <laughs> you but know, I like think it's important roast. to also note that like one of the things that we talked about is like you know <coughs> we're we're we're, de- we're definitely not people who are like. So financially, you know, stable that we don't have to worry about anything. And, you I'm know, as poor as a church mouse. I mean, for real. And Alex is poor as a church mouse that uh, you has know, a has, few crumbs. <laughs> poor as a church mouse whose parents will occasionally give it a crumb. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. And yet we talk about because um, we look at this house, for example, and this house is enormous, and it's in Beverly Hills, and it has you know. I thought you were talking about our house. And I'm like, it's no, not that no, big. No, it's not split our house. level, so in we have the, a high ceiling. In this movie, <laughs> we have a cathedral ceiling, Allie. It's not enormous. Yeah, but that's just because of the way they built it. It's a split the level. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, my point is that you know we look at this house in the movie, and it's this enormous mansion. And it's like rooms. It's got a cabana. It's got a cabana. It's got rooms for days. Or, like, or as Bette Midler refers to it, as a cabana. cabana. <laughs> so, but you know, so it's it's just got tons of you know whatever. And my, and my point is, you know, yes, it is decked out in 1986 decor, but that's not even important. My point is that John and I sat in the car the other day and we were just kind of like, just talking. I, I don't even, I came up because, It was because, it was, oh, it was, oh, you were telling oh, me a story, a story about a lottery, about winner, lottery and winner and how they lost other money. And we yes. talked about how most lottery winners lose all their money because they don't know how to spend how money. How to spend it or invest it properly or whatever. And we were talking about like how we would lay it all out. Now, granted, we're like middle age of not, like we're totally different than if we wanted if we were in our 20s. But I also think that I would have been smart. Oh, if I won the lottery in the 20s, my 20s, I would have died. You but think? I, oh my goodness, I would have choked on my own vomit, and that vomit would have been made one hundred thousand percent of uh, of 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 Scotch bottles that were older than I was. That's so funny because I don't. I think I've always been super responsible about money. Oh, you said you see, you, you said the twenty, my twenties. I was super responsible as a teen. I got more responsible again in my thirties. Yeah. My twenties, I was a mess, honey. You yeah, know that. I know. I didn't. You know met, you met me on. The, you met me on the like as I was just like. All right. We have it. We we have some issues back and forth about my about my various exes, but uh, you know, I will I will say this: you 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 got me you got me away from rock bottom. Had yeah. you met me at rock bottom, I don't know that we would know. never have been together. Yeah, like no. oh, I was a mess. I yeah. was I was a real but, mess. But in my, my point is that we were like we were literally laying out like okay, if we had the kind of money that like a, a like a lottery winner, like a solo lottery, like big lottery winner won how we would have laid out our money and what we would have spent it on. And both of us agreed. Solid gold statue of Squirrel Girl. Both of us. <laughs> that's actually a good idea. No. Both of us agreed that. That was the first thing that came into my head, by the way. I thought I'd just say solid gold statue of something and it was Squirrel Girl? Well, you know, you have a thing. <laughs> a per- you have a type. <laughs> my. Really? Have you seen Squirrel Girl? Yeah, she's cute. Okay. Um, so- Look, honey, you don't need that much braces. But um, you're not that horsey. Come on. <laughs> so, but my point is that we were saying that like oh, I that, guess squirrely. That would not be uh, the the lottery winner that basically like lost all of her money, b- b- bought a plantation or like bought a house on a plantation, something crazy like that. And we were both looking at each other like that's so more extravagant than you need, and doesn't then allow for any breath. Like anywhere you could do, like we would set ourselves up, set our kids up. Of course, we would want a place that would have enough room that we could each have our own like. The petty bourgeois dreams of podcasters. I mean, honestly, like we we would we would have everybody would have their own bedroom. The one, can I tell you the thing that the, that both of us got the most excited about was having was having a, a, a having a bedroom with a bathroom off the master bed. 
Like that's it. Because yeah. we we all share. We live bathroom like right cavemen. Now. Yeah. Like the way cavemen would have to walk <laughs> by the cave of their baby babies just to go to the just bathroom. to go to the bathroom. I don't know how they handled it back then. Oh shit! I woke up, little Thok. You know, <laughs> whatever I was. But my point is that like that was like our biggest excitement. You know. Why are we going on such a long tangent to talk know. about our, our our hopes and dreams? I don't know. Nobody cares about our hopes and dreams. Well, somebody does. I anyway, know. all right. No, so anyway, sorry. so we get back. Anyway, getting back to the movie. God, nice to. I'm just kidding. Nice to, I'm just nice kidding. to just smack my dick in the dirt there. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> I, I, but like getting back to the movie. Okay, let, let, let me go back to the brothers' movie because I forgot to mention the, the the son's movie. Oh. I forgot to mention how perfectly amazingly. 80s his earring is oh yeah he has the single earring in in the left ear as was as was the acceptable allowed level of earring transgression for a man at the time but weirdly enough like the weird thing is men like in the 80s there was a whole protocol yeah if you had an earring in your right ear you were gay and like there was a huge which is kind of funny with the son because he's definitely questioning a lot of his aspects of his his sexuality and his gender in this movie which is for the '80s, handled about as sensitively it's as I expected. It's about the best it could have. I mean, it's still it's still got some jarring yes. moments. Yes. It's still got some it's still got some turd in the punch bowl bits yes. and and such. But it's mostly reactions from other people, right. not not like the movie. The movie itself doesn't judge him as no. much, although it does present him like as intentionally ridiculous in a lot of ways. You know, like I, I don't think, know that I agree with that. I think when his friends show up, I think it's like I think they're going out of their way to be shocking by '80s like standards of what's weird. That's so interesting because I saw all of the friends having uh, emulating um, uh, like musicians and people of that. I guess, I guess that yeah. was what I saw. I, 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 I never guess, saw I it guess. as them. But the movie—you got to remember that. this movie was not aimed at people in their twenties. This movie is aimed at people I, in their thirties. I and understand. 40s. And I understand. Like, you know, like it is obviously aimed at boomers. Like it's I not, think yeah. there was more subtlety going on. I know. I, I, I think. I, I think the movie. Like, like I said, I think the movie is more sensitive than most movies to this. Okay. Like it's it's. Frankly, like there are things made five years ago that are worse. Agreed. You know. Agreed. Anyway, continue. I've seen worse on Will and Grace. Yeah, yeah, agreed. You know, like so continue. But um, but anyway, so like, and not only that, there's this also this weird thing. The, the sister shows up next, and we get to see her. The sister is obviously anorexic. They don't really play into that too hard, other than she's not eating. Yeah, they just talk about her. Not she's eating. also dating a record producer. There's actually a pretty funny exchange. No, no, no he's a he's a roadie. There's, no, he's a roadie, not a producer. I'm sorry, but there's a, there's actually a pretty funny exchange. Like she's 19, she's off at college. Sarah Obviously, Lawrence. So, yeah, it's, oh, it's Sarah Lawrence. I missed it. I just knew it was somewhere not on the. I knew it was somewhere on the East Coast. Yeah, Sarah Lawrence. I didn't realize it was actually Sarah Lawrence. But okay, that's interesting because isn't Sarah Lawrence the one that like where they assume like isn't the isn't the thing with Sarah Lawrence that they're usually that's not the that's not. I'm th- thinking of Smith. Smith. I'm thinking of Smith. I'm thinking the one where like that's like anyone who goes there in a piece of entertainment is usually coded gay. Yeah, but I guess Smith. Sarah. That's no, Smith. That's Smith. You're right. I had many friends go to Smith. I, so. Yeah, I, I, I actually have friends who went to Smith too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. But for some reason, I thought both of them might have been, but I guess not. Um, but um, I remember there was a conspiracy theory once. Not conspiracy theory, but like uh, there was a theory amongst people who went to the colleges in the Northeast. That like various members of the Scooby Doo gang were supposed to represent people from various colleges. Yeah, that's funny. And I think I think I think Daphne was supposed to be Sarah Lawrence and Velma was supposed to be Smith. You know, and Freddie was. Well, Daphne looks like. And the Freddie was, I assume, Harvard, and I think uh, Shaggy was like some one of those like colleges that gives grades that are like crocodile and smiley face. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! But but Daphne does kind of look like the daughter in this, so that doesn't surprise. That me. is actually true. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it, that, that's not actually true. But it was like I remember uh, ha- like hearing it fairly passionately defended by my friend who went to Smith, <laughs> you know, who also looked a lot like Velma. <laughs> now that I think about it, um, but um, 
Or at least had the round glasses. So she, uh, but she's obviously it, but yes. She, but there's a weird moment where she winks at her brother in what is the most flirtatious way. Like when she's saying goodbye to him. Oh, and he's she filming gives him. The, him. Filming her Go and ahead. she gives him this wink that is way more seductive than it should be. It's not doesn't look like a friend. It's too slow. You know, like it's like that. Yeah. I, I'm I'm acting it out. I'm yeah, sorry. It's a good job. But it's like it's a slow wink, and slow winks are not like you know. If you're like winking to be like ah, eh, you do it pretty quickly and you lean in really exaggerated. This is like a real slow, like subtle wink. I didn't know that she winked. I thought she just kissed like. Oh, well, maybe she kissed him. Maybe she kissed him. She oh, kissed him I, I said, why did she wink at her brother? Oh, I have kissed him to the camera. Well, maybe she did both. Maybe she. But did it was both. it was very flirtatious. Yeah. And around this time, this is when Punk Benji gets lost. That's uh, Kerouac yes. the dog. Uh, Nick Nolte's asleep. Well, that. Nick Nolte's asleep, and his dog's like, you know, tugging at him to get up, and he's like, let, let Jerry sleep. Yeah. And uh, and um, oh, if you were if you were thinking there, I would not be doing a terrible Nick Nolte impression uh, this episode at least once. You were thinking wrong. So the dog the, sees. Uh, so the dog sees a woman a, a and he, jogger. And he comes up and and the jogger, by the way, I believe no, she's not. I was going to say, like, there's a jogger somewhere in this movie that's the director's wife. I thought that was her. Oh, maybe it is her. Yeah, it is. But she's like, but uh, basically she's a... She's like carrying a bag of food. And the dog, yeah, she's actually power walking. She's not yeah. jogging. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah, she's, she's doing the power walk. The 80s power walk. Yes. And, um, and um, the dog begs her for some food. And she's like, oh, you want some food? And then, like, oh, you want a little more? And, he, and the, she's like, oh, are you homeless? Do you need a home? Come with me. And he looks back at Jerry and sees Jerry just snoring there, like, in a pile. Looks at, looks at the woman, looks back, and the dog just leaves yeah. with her. And never to be seen again. And again, I think there's a down and out in Beverly Hills children's movie. <laughs> Where this poor dog goes into like a rich dog family and uh, and has to I don't know has sex with a lot of dogs I guess I don't really know but I, I feel like there's something something there there's a, there's a movie you write that, that children's made. book if you want yes so uh, so, so uh, yeah, yeah. Kerouac <laughs> the punk dog that fucks rich dogs oh my god <laughs> for a book for kids by a book, me a book for kids so but, um, uh, and, and and so um and and Nick so Nick Nolte's like freaks out he's looking for his dog and we see at this point like he's we really get to see him like roaming around and I I like that Nick Nolte in this movie has is really kind of trying to work on the look that he later perfected in his mugshot yes of just being a real piece of shit beat up person because like Nick Nolte looks like shit at the beginning of this movie yeah. he look he looks like smelly jesus um he's got the beard you know in the 80s in the 80s a first of all beards in the 80s were rare and then when they existed they were very well groomed gross ellis beards yes you know from die hard yes. they you know you, you did not see shaggy big beards on anyone except zz top yes or as the english would say zz top yes and um so uh the other thing to note is that in this posh house in the white ha- in the whiteman house um, there's also a dog, and his name is Mike. Mike no, no, the actor's name, the is, actor's Mike name the is Mike. Mike the dog is the actor's name, and the name of the dog in the movie is Matisse. And and this is the thing that people who are too young to remember the mid late eighties may not understand. There was a brief period, even though he really didn't do anything other than this movie. I remember there being a brief period where Mike the dog mania kind of swept the country. He oh, was why if if we had this day and age social media. Oh, Mike the, dog. Mike the Dog would be the grumpy his, cat of like this era. He would have had his whole Instagram. He would have been all But there was like, like, Mike the Dog made it to the cover of Mad Magazine. Oh, yeah. Like, he was, he was Mike the deal. Dog was a deal. Because Mike the Dog had, 
actually had the I f- forgot what it's called. There's this, there's a term yeah, for it, but like colors. bichrome. It's two like he had the two different colored eyes and one uh, like, ear he, that flops. Like he was kind of he was kind of the David Bowie of dogs. I know David Bowie actually just had one oversized pupil. Don't at me. I know, but like a lot of people in their heads think of David Bowie as having two, two different colored eyes. eyes because of that, uh, because one of his pupils didn't contract, so it made it when one of his eyes look darker than the other. Uh, but like the dog actually had the two different colored eyes and he was a very well-trained dog and like very adorable. And yeah, like, like in this movie, uh, yeah, he is, he is the Greek chorus of this movie. He's a, he, I think he's a border collie. I think he is a border collie, which is a very smart breed of dog. Probably the smartest breed of dog possibly. Mm -hmm. Um, but he is beautiful dog, beautiful. Like, and he's got the single floppy ear and the different colored eyes and like, you know, he's black and white and. He, yeah, uh, and Mike, Mike was like, yeah, he was like a low-level celebrity. I think he was on commercials. I think they brought him on to talk shows. Sure. You know, like, he was like, he was the biggest star to come out of this movie. <laughs> but, he rivaled, uh, what was it, Tar- Target's dog? Um, oh, Spuds McKenzie? Spuds, and then the other dog. No, 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 no. He was definitely the Spuds McKenzie. The old Navy dog. Magic? That was yes. the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, or maybe even, the, maybe even the early odds. But, no, um, yeah, Spuds, that's right. Spuds, Spuds McKenzie. Well, he was never as famous as Spuds McKenzie. Yeah, true. Like, no, no one was. Yeah, Spuds like, was Spuds pretty... McKenzie was on Joe Camel level of famous, Allie. He was, he was a bull terrier. Yes, he was. Yeah, okay. And he was also, I believe, played by a woman. I think Spuds was a female. Oh. <laughs> I'm racking my brain going, I don't remember Spuds talking. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god did you... <laughs> I forgot her name Linda Hunt oh yeah I'm Spuds McKenzie <laughs> oh Rush goodness oh my goodness okay so oh my god are we still recording oh, we're still actually recording this is good um okay so so um, moving on so anyway, so Nick Nolte, like like Nick Nolte, is looking for his dog, and at this point, he delivers the monolo- a monologue that I need to re- I need to memorize because it's but I it's basically what I say to Sparky every night. Damn ungrateful dog! He run off with anybody? Don't lie on him. You know, and he's he's and and he's doing like his full like crazy Nick Nolte yelly voice. Yeah. He's going through like all these public places. He's like walking into open air restaurants, like you know, and like he ends up getting escorted out by security. Like every little dog he sees, he's trying to follow to see if it's his dog, mm-hmm. and he's completely despondent. And yeah. this is where it's actually not funny. How, no. Like it's funny how ah, he's Nick Nolte, yeah. <laughs> you know. But like, but like, man, I'm gonna be clearing out so many Ooh, red lines. Yes, you are. Well, there's no way to do a quiet Nick Nolte no, yell. It's really hard. Um, but um, it's also it's Allie, also, don't hold me back. <laughs> it's, it's also important to note a couple of things. Right now, it's it's uh it's Thanksgiving. And the family, the Whiteman family, is preparing for Thanksgiving, and they're going to have like oh all of my all, god, all of Bette Midler's gurus are coming. This over. is like the most Jewish Thanksgiving, oh, by yeah, the way. For sure. it, this this does remind me actually of going to your aunt's house. Oh yeah, because she has those like it's not really Thanksgiving that she does it, but like on like Passover where she invites everybody, even people who aren't Jewish who aren't in the family, yeah. like everybody. Oh, yeah. So you get this random assortment of people. It's like mostly mostly elderly Jewish people, but then like you have like again. Like a swami, you know, yeah. or or a pet psychologist or yeah. something, or yeah. me, yeah. Yeah. you know, Pretty showing much. up. But it's like, but yeah, it's like they're all like, they, there's a whole thing running through about white meat that like is a joke that runs through the whole movie. Ugh. Yeah, which I'm I'm gonna go ahead and put it out there right now. Um, I know this is not the boldest statement, but I find that people still to this day and age 
for some reason, when eating turkey, prefer white meat, which is the strangest, stupidest thing. Because turkey, turkey white meat, like you have to work so hard to get turkey white meat to not be the driest, grossest thing yeah. on the planet. Yeah. Whereas dark, turkey dark meat is delicious and oily and 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 wonderful. Like you know, like there's 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 absolutely no reason to like prefer white meat. As as it, as a person who doesn't eat meat, just. Yeah. All right. All right. Imagine. I do remember white tofurkey. I remember. I remember eating meat. I'm just saying. Anyway. um. (laughs) So so anyway, there's there's a whole like there's this awkward dinner and like you see like the kid is Max is filming uh, Richard Gear Richard Gear Richard Dreyfus (laughs) Richard Gear comes in addresses the horrible urban legends about him (laughs) you know and then leaves. Don't even like guinea pigs. It was a gerbil. gerbil. (laughs) God, Allie. God. You know, so and- he he actually like you know uh, blows up at Max and you know because he's basically like Max maybe it's time for you to start working the uh, in the hanger business and he's like yeah, I'm not really into hangers and he's like it's yeah! hangers that and, hold and you blow- and, and hangers that and, feed you and, and to be to be brutally honest if I had watched this movie in the 80s I would have thought what an unrealistic temper tantrum hmm. but now that I've lived a little longer with your family oh yeah this is this is a yeah this oh happens. that was like. Richard Dreyfus was a pretty good example. When he would get upset, he was my father. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's how your dad's temper. My like, dad goes up. flares like that. It's very. Yeah. It's yeah. so. It's so funny because like my family has temper, but it's different. Oh, very different. Well, first. Of, well, first of all, uh, you know, like like the 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 only explosive tempers in my family are physical, not yelling. Right. So it's like it's like you'd be hit before you knew what you finished saying. You know, if you if you piss someone off at the dinner table like that, I'd be like, ow, okay, all right, that was that was a bad that was a mistake yeah, on my we part. Got screamed at. But um, I mean, I got screamed at, but it was it was not like sudden. It was you knew if I was getting yelled at, I knew what I did. Other other important things to note is that there's uh, the housemaid is housekeeper or whatever you want. Carmen is Carmen, and she's played by Elizabeth Pena. God bless her soul. Yes. Okay. We 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 are a pro Elizabeth Pena podcast. We like her very much. Um, But she uh, she um, once again playing a seductress. Yeah, but no. you know she's she's doing her job, but she's obviously been with the family for a long time. My favorite actual moment that I saw uh, at the very beginning of this movie is that when they're eating Thanksgiving dinner, what, even though yes, she's also helping serve, she has a place at the table. Yeah, this was very important to me because because we had a live-in person in our house when I was growing up, and she I always, told you she grew up in the John Hughes always 80s. had a place at the table. And yet, I would go to other friends' houses in this area, and uh, they would eat after. And it would make me... I, I, I thought that was so awful. And these are people who lived in their house. It's not like, oh, you bring somebody in and they clean up after kind of thing. Like, you, right. you pay a service to come okay. and clean. Again, <laughs> meanwhile, while this was going on, my friends and I had gotten a cable spool, and we were walking on it in our yard and throwing ninja stars at, a, at, a, at an upturned picnic table. Look, man, just because my dad knew how to make money doesn't mean that I do. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Um, so, but, you know what? You know, a bug zapper is better than cable TV. So, yeah, okay. And I bet you squeezed your own lemons to make lemonade. Who had lemons? <laughs> so, um... We made pine cone aid and we lacked it. The only thing, the other thing that's important about Actually, Carmen sun tea. is that uh, Richard Dreyfus is ha- is having an affair with her. Yes. And that's and important to know. And, and there, there's actually some, when she's at the table, by the way, there's some, I can't remember what exactly was said, but there's some wonder. Oh, the condescension from the family. Oh, is yeah. Classic, classic, classic elderly family member. Yeah. Stuff when she's talking about her brother, how she's trying to get her brother to come, working to get her brother to come up. Yes. And they're like, what's he, do? well, what's he do? It's like he cuts sugar cane. Yeah. And she's trying to talk about how like he's doing this, 
like sugarcane cutting is by all accounts one of the most dreadful physical labors you can do yeah. it's in hot sun it's, awful. it's dangerous it's it's wearying you have to use a machete you know it, it like it's very tiring work there's a lot of like movies about sugarcane prison women in bikinis I, you know let's go let's move on uh but there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff uh you know about uh you know like sugarcane it sucks and when she says that's what he does, like thinking like, God, he's got to get up here to get out of having to do that. People are like, well, there's no, there's not a market for that up here, you know, yeah, for that like scale. Really yeah, like, and it's just like, like, oh my God, it's super embarrassing. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So anyway, the daughter doesn't eat at the thing, the son, whatever. They have the, the dinner. It, everyone goes. I think that's all the cast members accounted yeah, for. Yeah, I think we've all the major, major cast. cast. Well, well, we have some support, but they haven't come in yet. They haven't come in yet. And we're about, so, but they're about to come in because the yeah, wait, 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 okay, bye, bye. Learn to pace. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You want me to learn to pace? Do you know how far into this podcast we are? We're almost at 45 minutes. Is that not, you want me to pace? We haven't even hit the fucking exciting can incident I, can yet. I, can, I, okay. can I please put this point out there? So when Richard Dreyfus tries to... No, like, no, wait, wait. So Richard, I'm sorry, I'm get to you. So Richard oh Dreyfus goes to... Motherfucker. Richard Dreyfus tries to have sex with Bette Midler. I was about to say the same thing. But I was going to say it faster. <laughs> Wow. How about I go pee and you can finish this podcast no. alone? Look, just because you're pregnant doesn't mean you get to pee everywhere. <laughs> I don't want to be like Jerry and piss in the azaleas. Spoilers! <laughs> so anyway, he goes to, he tries to have sex with Bette Midler and she's like, nah. And so he sneaks downstairs in his bathrobe that looks like a trench coat. Yes. Um, and uh, goes to Elizabeth Payne's room. She's waiting, smoking a cigarette, looking out the window. And they... They immediately start having sex, or at least she rubs her vulva on his, his belly button. Belly button. It's the strangest. It, it's, it's the classic. It's shot. the classic. It's well, they do that kind of shit in like low budget, like not low budget, like soft core movies, mm-hmm. like you know, all those USA Up All Night movies, yeah. like all the ones you see on like Cinemax that where it's like we're not going to show penetration, we yeah. might show some boob. Yeah. Like when people have sex, it's like they're always like they're they're always like eight inches away from the actual groin, yeah. <laughs> you know, region. It's always really far off, yeah. you know. But um, so anyway, but in the middle of that, Mike the dog, who's like, and by the way, Matisse does not like anyone in the family. He's really neurotic as a dog. And uh, he's growling. He has to sneak by Matisse, and, like like throw a snack and like, like but Matisse won't eat. Yeah. Like like very much of anything, he's very picky, and he like he always has to like basically run by him to get to Elizabeth Pena. That's like his like he's like the 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 Kerberos guarding. I I pronounce it with a, with a hard C, <laughs> because I'm I'm horrible guarding the gates of hell and all that. But uh, only it's the oh my god, it's the Jacob's ladder thing. Oh my god, oh, god. <laughs> Elizabeth Pena's a demon, but she's trying to help. She's actually an angel. <laughs> We're never really going to do Jacob's Ladder. That's oh, why I can say God, that. Oh, God, which is so sad. It's such a good movie. Yeah, anyway. but it's not good in the way we do. Um, but um, it's... Um, so he, like, Mike the dog hits the expensive security system and everything goes haywire. I mean, like... It calls... Like, they, it, it instantly goes to a call to this security company. They they send out police. There's a helicopter. It basically continues to my, my theory that this movie is actually, like, a sister movie of They Live. Like, They Live is going on at the same time as this <laughs> yeah, movie, yeah, for the record. So they had to pull some of those helicopters away from right, yeah, like, the guys. Like, yeah, like, so yeah. anyway, there's all hell's breaking loose. Richard Dreyfus is in the yard waving his arm saying, no, no, false alarm, false alarm. You know, like, yeah. he had to run out and, like, like throw his clothes on and, like, try to make sure, like, look innocent. Yeah. Um, and, then, and, then, and then we get probably one of the best pieces best. of stunt casting so I've seen in a movie in a long time. Good. Because he's, he's, he's not a very good actor. No, but he does. This per se. One of the best monologues ever delivered. But we get uh, 
Orvis Nightgood? Good, good night. Or, or no, Orvis Goodnight, as performed by the legendary Little Richard. It's so good. And like he's, but he's playing, Orvis Goodnight is a record producer, like that, and he's paid $3.6 million for this house, and the police won't come up for him, and he delivers this preacher style, because Little, Little Richard briefly retired to from rock and roll to join the clergy. He delivers this old-timey, so fire-and-brimstone preacher monologue about race in Beverly Hills and how like they don't want him there because he's a black man and you know like, like, I bring all the other black men I'm gonna bring all the other black men with me oh, you know and, so and he is just ranting and raving about how the when I have a problem in my house do the police come no they do not you know like you know like and he is like and he is it just is little richarding it up Mwah. so hard what do you call that a chef's kiss it was chef's kiss Mwah. Mwah. it was so beautiful so beautiful but like like it is and again his acting's not great but his preaching <laughs> Oh, is it's phenomenal, delicious. and I would go to a sermon. I, with Little Richard. Um, like, you would, I would but, be, I would be climbing on top. But of it people is, to get there. it is seriously like it is like he, it is like the end of the Dutchman turned into a turned into a sermon. Yeah, delivered delicious. by the by, by one of the by one of the like legitimate claimants to have invented rock and roll. Yeah, it's delicious, and it like it is what it I, is phenom. What I literally wrote was Little Richard is amazing. <laughs> like and it is so like it's such stunt casting yeah, oh, yeah. like and I will say this all right he's not a great actor but he does a better job than Bo Diddley did as the pawnbroker yes true and probably probably as good a job as Ray Charles did as the other pawnbroker <laughs> you know so uh, then but, we, um, so then Nick Nolte decides to he's Nick, still looking for the dog Nick Nolte is at rock this bottom is the next day and he's and like he's everyone's like, everyone's like like everyone in the in you know. He's sitting around, living their neurotic, their neurotic, rich '80s lives, and uh, he wanders in to the backyard of the Whiteman family, and he's basically hit rock bottom. He's he's he keeps he's, he's heard dogs barking and thought it was hit and like, but Can't it wasn't. Can't find Kerouac. He's and gone. And he's he's basically realized that he is like at the lowest point of his life. So he wa- he walks over to near the pool and he fills the pockets of the trench coat he's wearing. And I didn't, I didn't, I forgot to mention earlier, like one of the pieces, I, one of the nice pieces touches for character uh, costume design in this movie is in 1986, he is wearing a pair of bell bottoms. Yes. Which did not exist. Yeah. Like no one had bell bottoms at that point. There was no, the, the retro 70s thing did not did happen, happen until yet. the 90s. In yeah. the 80s, the 70s was anathema. Yeah. Like you, nothing, like, like. The world was trying to forget the seventies in the eighties, kind of like the way, like though we enjoyed the like one hit wonder status of goofiness of the eighties and the nineties, we really assiduously avoided the fashion of the of the eighties and the nineties. And like every decade, kind of tries to avoid the fashion mistakes of the prior decade. Yes. So they're like, they're, there's absolutely no like he's wearing these like checked like bell bottoms, brown bell bottoms. Like he's all earth tones. Yeah. In the in nineteen eighty six there's no such thing as an earth tone. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's all neon. Like it's kinda like yeah. Neon it, and pastel. Yeah, it's all it's all pastel and neon. It's yeah, it, but um but he's actually wearing these so it's obviously the clothes he's wearing are from like from like a thrift store or a mission or something. They're held up with a rope and all that. But but anyway, he fills the pockets of his trench coat with heavy stones and and Richard Richard Dreyfus is watching him out the window, like there's a guy in our yard. What what? That? And then he realizes what he's doing, and he suddenly just yells, "Call nine one one! Call nine!" And he's yelling, "Call nine one one!" And Bette Miller's not really paying attention. She's yeah. like, "What?" You yeah. know, she's, like, she's doing her like meditation. She's doing her meditation and and everything. And he 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 basically Dreyfus sprints through the house, screaming, and, call screaming, nine- "Call nine one one!" 
Um, dives into the dives pool. into the pool and and pulls uh, Jerry Jerry out. Uh, we don't know his name is Jerry yet, but yeah. uh, what well, we do if we if we if, if we listen to him talking to his dog. But um, he pulls him out, uh, delivers mouth to mouth. He does not actually do CPR properly at all, which is really effing weird. And you know, we get the the every time you ever see a drowning thing in a movie, you're going to get that pause and they blow Vom- vomit, vomit their the, the the lung water out. Um, but he saves his life. And, yes, um, and uh, basically, you know, basically, it's like it's like kind of any, you know, it's like it's that you know, like basically, he points to the sign that says, "This is our ool." Notice, there's no Nick Nolte in it, and um, uh, and so the, um, the paramedics come and they, you know, deem him he's okay, and uh, and 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 essentially, uh, because you and, can, because and, we've and, been dealing with a lot of this white uh, uh, Dave White, and in fact, there was a whole thing. Oh, I forgot, like earlier, like when he was pointing him out to her, you know, you know, she was like. Ugh gross bum and he's like they're for us they're for the great you know like because yeah. she wanted like you know like he's You're like, talking about barbara the barbara voice. barbara barbara's very dismissive in a very real sense like she does not feel the white guilt he does yeah, yeah. you know like like she doesn't feel that re- that wealthy you know the wealthy like sense of like she's obviously more like all right well i've deserved this of course she also has swami's telling her that yeah um you know but so so basically she he, he uh, uh dave wants him to stay until he's you know back on his feet, give him some food or whatever, and and she's like um, absolutely well, well, not. She, well, she actually leaves. Yeah, like he does this behind her back. Well, first, for, you know, first he says, you know, just you know, let's let's get him back on his feet, and you know, just just give him give him some lunch or something. Oh yeah, maybe that's yeah, enough. That, yeah. Oh yeah, that's like, enough. Yeah, and she's like, okay, fine, I'm going to lunch with my friends, and I'm out and whatever, and right, she leaves. Right. Yeah, she's going shopping and whatever. And in the yeah. meantime, um, Carmen is like doing his laundry, so at least it and, Car- like, and well, yeah, and Carmen's very like it's kind of funny because Carmen like I. <laughs> As much as she's obviously their employee, she is very vehemently upset about having to do his laundry. Oh, yeah. She's like, what? No. Yeah, like, he's like, just do his laundry, you yeah. know, which is really funny because he is her boss. Yeah. You know, and like, and her job is to do laundry and things like that. So it's kind of funny how she's like, I'm not washing this gross ass yeah. guy's laundry. But like, Nick Nolte basically disrobes, yes. like, in front of we everybody. See- we do briefly see, like, 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 I'm going to say something right now because that angle, all right, if you, uh, I'm, Admission time. If you saw if you saw me from that angle, no matter how quickly I moved, you would not get a flash of my Nolte. Yeah, his like, Nolte was. was it was like, whoa, out. Nick. That was some nicking out. <laughs> it was like that was some nick at night. <laughs> it was like I. I was like I've never seen a garden hose that color. Yeah, was, <laughs> you know? But yeah. um, but yeah. So Nick Nick uh Nick takes his uh takes his clothes off. Um, he's also fairly in shape. Well, yeah. Well, you know, like we're we're only a few years away from him. Believe it or not, being named people's sexiest man alive. That was in another movie where he. Uh, that that was in another movie where he ended up sleeping with uh, a middle-aged Jewish pop singer who the gay community loves, <laughs> which is, I guess, his theme. Barbara. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Streisand. That's Streisand, Barbara as opposed Streisand. to Midler in this one. Right. Well, that's and, Bette Midler. Her name is not Barbara. Her, her her character's name is Barbara. Yes. But her but she is. Yes. Bette. And 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 and, anyway. and and in Prince of Tides, of course, uh, Barbara yes. Streisand was playing Bette Midler. No, I'm just saying that to confuse you. So um, there, there's another white meat joke that I can't remember. Oh, because uh, uh, white meat gets you know eaten first by everybody apparently. So well, he, he asked for the white meat. Yeah, he's like, oh, he offers some turkey leftovers. He's like, you got any white meat? Yeah, you know, and then and he's obviously fairly ungrateful for the. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, he's, he's like, he's kind well, of an well, first of all, he wanted to die. Yeah, but like, so he's like, but basically, he's like, oh, give me this, give me that. Like, he's always eating in this movie, which yeah. is kind of great because it's kind of realistic. Kind of you. Well, no, it's. I think it's realistic for a man who's been living on the street and like scrounging for food. 
Like, I, I feel like the first thing he would do, he like, what, whenever he had the option is eat whenever he could as much as he could. Yeah. You know? So, um, so he's eating, like, their cranberry sauce and their, you know, everything whatever, that was, like, and leftovers and whatever. And they ask him, like, how did how did this happen to him? Yeah. And yeah, he, he tells this, like, Montley's model. And, 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 and much like the Joker, his origin story changes every time he, every time. Like, he's one of those, like, oh, I was in Paris. I did this. Oh. But his original story was, like, basically that he, he like, he he would like his he was an actor for a while well, he, he, before that he was thrown in in jail because he was a a protester in the 60s, 60s he like was, he was he was counterfeiting draft cards yeah um and then uh and then like he and then basically and he got i got 40 like 40 years or whatever seventy five thousand dollars bond yeah. suspended but like who's gonna hire a felon yeah and then my sister got leukemia and died, and then I became an actor. And and I, I, had, I had a relationship with uh, Linda, Chris, Evans. Linda Evans. I almost said Crystal. Crystal is her character's Crystal name. Crystal Gale? What was her name? No, her character's name. Crystal Carrington. Oh, Carrington, right. Oh, Crystal Gale was an actual person. <laughs> Sorry. And she also advertised Crystal Light. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, she believed yes. in Yanni. Um, she was married to Yanni. Yes, I get it. Okay. I'm, I'm there for you. Okay, good, 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 good. Um... So I, I, I don't know. I, I, my notes are kind of random here. Um, I know that at some point Randy Newman's I Love L.A. popped up, and I was like, of course Randy Newman should like weasels they go his take way a drive. into this he tries to He convinces him to stay. The long, long and short of this is he convinces him to stay in the cabana, and Barbara's totally pissed about this. She's yeah. not happy. She comes home, and she is pissed. And um, Oh, by the way, my the next like hour of the movie is condensed into like six notes for me, and they're, and they're all random. Yeah. I mean, because there's a lot that goes on, but then like not a lot. That it's goes a lot on. of incident. And yeah, it's, it's basically. Like, the, 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 it's the, essentially it's essentially Dave taking you know Nick out and you know uh, Jerry out and like you know he cleans him up, he buys him clothes, yeah, he, he gets, gets a like, haircut, he gets yeah. his shave. he gets a he gets a mustache, it gets a, he's cut down to just a mustache, yeah, you know, a, a well groomed mustache and a parted. Tries 80s to teach haircut. him you know about his business and like tell him yeah. you know. And we, this is like some things we learn at this point. First of all. Let me go back because you, you've yeah. skipped you've skipped a couple of th- observations. I'm I had, sure I did. At one point, Tutti Frutti comes on, oh, yeah. and because Little Richard was already in this movie, I thought for a minute it was diegetic, mm-hmm. like it was actually happening. Like Little Richard came and it started singing, but it was actually just on the soundtrack. <laughs> he's, just, he's just standing on the on the because it's the a lawn. sudden jump. And like yeah. I thought maybe he walked in the room and started singing. But there was like, a wonderful moment where the two they're both of their they're, they're both in Rolls Royces. Yeah, white Rolls Royces pull up and they're identical, identical Rolls Royces. And uh, Dave's uh, license plate says Dave Bar, which, which is, is the name, name of his company. company. And um uh and Orvis Orvis is just as Orvis. Orvis. It's, it's kinda moment. it's kinda cool that they're it's both they're both moment. in identical roles as yeah. Uh this is also where we learn that like not only like he not only does he make hangers, he makes really those shitty dry cleaner hangers oh, of like horrible. the you know with like the, the cardboard bottom and the paper, you know, on it. Um like and there's actually a neat little scene that like reminds me of like every like Mr. Rogers <laughs> slash Sesame Street slash oh, unwrap yeah. where they're like, how the are these made? Yeah. yeah, like where they're like, how is this made? And it shows them like the machines wrapping up the wires and everything. Yeah. And you actually learn uh, like, like he basically tells Nick Nolte how he, he got into the business basically like at random, like he was originally selling something of his dad's out of a truck. Lingerie. Like, lingerie. He was selling lingerie out of the backseat of a truck. And then uh, how like he talked to a guy in a bar or something and like. That's how he like. He's like, I fell into this, yeah. and he like he and he offers Nick Nolte a job. On the-
Whoops, sorry about that. We had a bit of a technical difficulty. Normally when we have to take a short break to pick our son up, uh, Audacity doesn't crash. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, we, uh, we, uh, we, we, we saved most of what we did. I don't think we missed anything no. really, although it's like stopped mid-sentence for yeah, some reason. So uh, yeah, as you well know. Um, anyway, uh, he was offering him a job, I believe is what I was talking about. Yeah. And, and, and Nolte's like, nah, nah in this place you know I don't want to work at all basically. Work at, basically he doesn't want to work at all yeah 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 like he he mentions also possibly managing his uh trailer parks not nolte doesn't mention that uh, uh Dan, Dreyfus, Dreyfus. Dave, Dave Whiteman yes um vamp for 30 seconds Okay. But I haven't got a hat. So, uh, yeah, so, so Dave, so what are you, what are you doing? I was getting my, 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 my iPad back over so I could have character names and oh, stuff, so I didn't. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, folks, I, Dave, folks, I do not have a memory. <laughs> Dave Whiteman was his mm. name. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he was trying to offer jobs to Nick Nolte, maybe to manage his trailer parks, all these different things, and Nick's just like, nah. Hey, can we, can we stop for a second, because uh, I just opened uh, Wikipedia and I forgot yeah. to mention. This movie was a big hit for, based on its budget versus box office. Yeah, yeah. This movie's budget was $14 million and it made $62 million in the box office. Oh, well, you know. I kind of, it's kind of weird, because it's not something people talk about now, but it was quite successful. Other things to mention, too, are, like, up to this point, um, uh, so so I, I think it's the, I think it's around this point that they have this conversation where um, uh, Nick Nolte says to Dave that uh, he wouldn't last, you know, basically 30 minutes or something, you know, trying, right. pretending to be a homeless guy. And so, and... And, and basically being homeless, being homeless and uh, and so he ta- that's yeah that's right the next thing is they go out to the beach right so he takes him so uh, um so because uh, Dave was originally Dave was originally talking about the fact that like he's like I have to work or I won't you know like you know like he's like you got enough money yeah you know? he's, he's like, like, you like got- I, I have to work I got to get my my job yeah. and you know like it was this thing of like if, 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 you know this work and still have money <laughs> I'm sorry I'm starting to impersonate each one worse and, and it's worse. actually like wow um, um, but anyway like basically the the idea is he's like. You know, it turns into all right. Fine, I'll take a day off and yeah. I'll hang out. And they go hang out on the on the beach with with literal beach bums, I guess. Yeah. Like his his uh, his homeless friends. Um, uh, they get there's a bunch of them. They got names. I can't remember any of them except the woman was named Dottie, I think. Dorothy. Dorothy. Well, Dottie's a nickname for Dorothy. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I had an aunt Dot. She was a great aunt. I think her name was real name was Dorothy. So uh, they start getting else. drunk and they hang out on the beach and it's real fun and whatever. And it's and, like, and and meanwhile, um, uh, you know, like uh, they sing songs and you know they, they actually sing a song like "We Are the Bums, <laughs> We Are the Homeless" or whatever yeah. uh, to the tune of "If If My Off Keyness or You're Not Being Born Early Enough to Remember the Horror That Is We Are the World uh, Is Is Enough." That was the, that was to the tune of "We Are the World." I mean, <laughs> I, I recognized it. I thought you did a nice job. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, but. Um, so he but calls, basically he, at some he, point he calls uh, home, home just to and, tell and, Barbara yeah. what's going on. And 
Um, he's like, yeah, I'm hanging out with this person, this person, and Dorothy. And she's like, Dorothy? who's that? You know, and she's all upset. It's very funny. That was his old lady. So, yeah. And uh, so, it, so at some point, um, there's, it's actually, I have to just say, I have to like take a moment his about being the other guy, cinematography like. moment here, because this movie is really well shot, which it I is, think is a yeah. mix between the director and the cinematographer. It's, it's very, it's, it's like very. The setups of the shots are beautiful. That sometimes yeah, there's, and I didn't talk about this very often, but like some of it's done like, creatively yeah and i mean there's a shot of uh um and this comes a little bit later but there's a shot of of uh of nick nolte um w standing and uh th like there's the reflection of him in a half uh, Mirror, uh yeah. like a half um window like coming down from a, a limousine but you can still see him and his reflection and response it's like beautifully it's well, shot. It's well staged. It's it's well shot. Um, so yeah, this, it's very this, competently made. Movie. This moment is uh, they're standing on uh, they being Nick Nolte and Dave are standing on uh, this bridge area, pier, like a pier. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a pier. Yeah, there's and no bridges across the Pacific. You know what yet. I meant. Shut uh, up. Wait till, so one, wait till one of our tech billionaires comes up with that <laughs> right. idea. So they're um, <laughs> so they're standing on a like volunteers. So they're standing on a pier and. Um, as they as they're chatting, this is where I mean. First of all, it's like a gorgeous sunset. It's absolutely right, beautiful right. over there. And and, and, and we, we, we 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 learn Nick Nolte first of all knows that he's having that that uh, Dave is having, having sex, sex with, with, Carmen. with Carmen. Yeah, as a matter of fact, he actually says, uh, "How long you've been diddling Carmen?" Which I don't know why that like just really like uh, this is a gross way to put it. Like she's just. It's like some piece of meat. Like she doesn't have any. It could have been. It worse. could have been worse, but it was like I don't know. It was just. The, and I'm not saying fucking because that's not that much worse. No, and, no, I'm saying porking. Porking would mm, be the worst. Yeah, I think it's the idea that it's like, she, like she doesn't have a say in it or something. I don't know. It's just I don't know why it bothered me. It just bothered me. Anyway, right. long story short, that's not even important. The point is that um, they start laughing about it. They're both a little drunk. They're having you know a fun time. They're chatting about it, and he's and you know he asks about Barbara and like you know you know how long you've been married and they you know go through this whole conversation and, you know, finds out that basically just, they're just not, that Barbara and, and Dave are just not, it's just not working. Like, it's not that they don't love each other. It's just that their sex life is kind of meh. Yeah. And Well, they haven't had sex in a while. A very long time, right. So um, this is how he's handling it. Yeah. Um, then... We they get home the next day and he's kind of still he's still he's, he's a, little a little drunk, drunk yeah the next day and he you know and he's he's bragging about how like he he managed to get like he learned how to like panhandle and like yeah. someone gave him fifty cents he was like fifty cents right into my hand yeah you know like this is a man who's living in a Beverly Hills mansion who's excited that someone handed him fifty cents. You know, I think uh, it was more excited because it's like this, this is like the way the other yeah group yeah no no I know it like was definitely it's like, definitely tourism on his part yeah. he's so like he, he he it's like he he want he he's jealous of this freedom that he he feels he doesn't have but right like completely ignoring the fact that he's ignore that he has a lot of responsibilities and also that he's rich as hell and can super eat whatever he privilege. wants whenever he wants yeah super privileged yeah. super you know he can leave it. Like these people can't walk away from it, so it's like a very different, um, right. you know, perspective so, to have. So basically, he ends up going um, off to do whatever back to probably back to work. But and, but we, we we end up with a scene with her alone with Nick Nolte's character. Well, actually, yeah, with uh, with Barbara alone with uh, with Jerry. Wait, I, I just have a question. Does this happen before or after? No, I think the Tony Grant call happens now. Before uh, she before she. Before she and uh, yeah, maybe it does because yeah, he, because he, he, she has to he be calls upset. into he calls into no 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 she does yeah yeah she's just sorry. listening no, I'm sorry yeah. she calls into what has to be yeah I guess uh, the 
you know, like a, a real local radio call-in show from L.A. That, uh, Apparently it's like um, Dr. Tony Grant. I don't know. It felt like, I mean, maybe it was probably like a Love Lines, but like earlier or whatever. I, I, I thought it was Joyce Brothers. We both did. Yeah, and she sounded a lot like Joyce Brothers. But she's not. He actually is a real person and she apparently... Yeah, it's like a radio... radio but she calls in talking show. about like, she says, like she says, first of all, she does a thing where like, I'm so-and-so, I'm 26. <laughs> it's like the anonymous call-in and yeah. she's calling about how... Actually, she's, she's, she says she's 28, which is the setup oh, for yeah. the joke later. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's so she's 28, and like you know, and and her, like her her husband has brought a bum in, and he's hearing this whole thing. Yeah, he's on the radio listening as he's while like she's complaining. Like yeah. I can't believe he's she's brought this bum into the house, and like it's like and, and you know, and like like how it's it's ruining our our relationship yeah. and blah blah blah. And then like and she then like so Nick Nolte's doing Tai Chi beside the pool, and Bette Midler's looking out over her balcony at him, and and she's, she's got like a migraine. Or, she's she complains that she has another headache, so you, yeah. it's obvious that's something that's chronic right. for her. Mm-hmm. That she's got, and, and I yeah. think that I think it's implied earlier as well that all of these gurus and you know swami what are they what Shma- swami swami Shwarmas. 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 gurus and falafels <laughs> and all these people that she's uh you know consulting with are because she's miserable mm-hmm. i mean i think that's pretty yeah. clear but she's using these uh I, I think she's smart enough to realize that everything is connected but she's you know she's trying to figure mm. out how to become happier in her life while she's, you know, you know, dealing with whatever right. misery she's going through. So all of these people are, you know, she's she has this ambition to get mm-hmm. better and feel better, but but you know, she's obviously plagued with the stress she's, and yeah. whatever. She's falling she's yeah. falling into the trap of like, you know, like instead of actually just addressing the legit le- the legitimate obvious like elephant in the room right. that her marriage is currently not very happy because neither of the two of them seem to have any intimacy anymore right instead of instead of going like and she realizes it's i think she sort of talks about it later in the movie after it happens but like like right now she's super tense she needs a physical release that she won't let herself have she's basically sublimating her libido to shopping yes and what have you and and also like looking for like spiritual answers to a very psychological problem like, she's yeah, had. Yeah. like she's she's trying to she's trying to she's trying to solve a a fairly material problem like one that has a, a fairly material solution with mysticism instead of just like cutting to the chase and saying okay my husband and i aren't aren't like are like in a rut and we're not we're not physical with each other we don't even really feel like we like each other's company right now right instead she's going into like you know they're they're projecting their own neuroses onto their dog, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. So, but anyway, getting back to it, Nick Nolte, uh, Nick Nolte basically says he was in an ashram in Oregon. Right. And she's like, you've never been to an ashram. And he's like, oh yeah, no, they taught me this and that. And, and he ends up going upstairs to offer her a massage to help get rid of her headache. And it's a very hilariously, obviously sexual massage. Right, right. And like, it's, it's like, it's both like slapsticky and sexual. He's like pulling on her hips and it, like, there are certain angles where it totally looks like it's shot like a porn movie. Yeah. You know, like where, like, like he's standing behind her and jerking her hips up towards his crotch. Yeah. Like from the shot, it looks like it's, it's actually staged better, I think, than the actual sex scene. Yeah. Between Dreyfus and, uh, and Pena. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's but it, and they end up falling into each other's uh, in into bed with each other and, and actually having sex, and it's then we hear like she starts screaming like Obviously release like an yeah but yeah. it's like a release and they do this cut to like 
all these different like the gardeners looking up and well first of all mike editorializes like the the greek chorus dog that he is like with this wide-eyed stare you know yeah. like just and then the um like the gardeners look up and whatever i actually called like okay yeah, so when are the birds gonna like fly, fly from the trees the, but it's like it's a lot of them it goes for a while little richard oh ormus yeah. is like just standing there going Oh, yeah. you know. and the satellite is like shaking the satellite dish. Yeah, the satellite dish is, is, warble, is wobbling. Yeah, yeah it's uh, you know like like obviously a, she needed that. Like a drink at a t that a T Rex is near yeah. <laughs> from Jurassic yeah. Park. But yeah, so she has this huge release, and like you see her like sitting in bed like next to him, saying this has to be a one time thing, and you know like like she basically analyzes their relation her relationship with her husband and whatnot. Um, and that's basically that scene. And I guess we like we can move to the parallel scene uh, that you were talking about before, where Richard Dreyfus like calls into the same uh, Doctor Grant or whatever on the. And call the best in. part about this, this the, the punchline for me on this was he he claims that he's because she made up a fake name she said, and said she, she was, was twenty eight is that he says he's twenty seven. And, <laughs> and then he says and he says he's been having tr- like he he's like my wife and I's relationship has been like stagnant and this is how long since nine and a half years. Yeah, that's a which, 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 and which if he's twenty seven means they got married when he was seventeen. In the midst of talking to her, he gets into a car accident. He hits the guy in front of him, and then a cop car hits him from behind. And he's and the first thing he does is he yells at uh, the cops at the cops before realizing they're cops, and they they're like okay sir like and then there's a, a guy yelling at him about how dare you rear in me and yep. there's like and he's and he's trying to weasel like well who, who caused this who yeah. caused this yeah. <laughs> you know like trying to like get himself out of it um and uh it yeah so it like it it pretty much ends with you know his roles is being taken away you know like being towed away and he's miserable and blah 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 and he's getting more now he now the bloom is falling off the rose now with him and um jerry and Jerry, like before, he was the only one defending Jerry. Now it's like, oh, and I, we better mention this in passing because it's about to come up. Um, earlier in the movie, uh, Jerry was hanging out with Mike by the pool, trying to get him to eat because Mike doesn't eat. Oh yeah. And um, and they have this this dog psychiatrist. Dog psychiatrist coming in, and there's two things. One, there's a kid who this Iranian kid looks over the right. wall, and he's like talking about how he's Iranian and how like. Like, nobody, like, he doesn't have a, like, he doesn't really say that, but he's like, nobody really talks to him and everything. And he's like, well, you know, he's like, you hungry? You know, have an apple. He throws him an apple and talks to him for a second. And the kid's like, thank you. You know, and like that, uh, I, that was one of those things where it was like, okay, that must be Chekhov's kid because like, there's no, like, like that went yeah. nowhere for a really long time. Yeah. And then there's a scene uh, somewhere in here and I'm not sure exactly where, my notes are not great. Yeah, I, I mean, for a while I wrote a bunch of stuff happens as notes because I realized I wasn't taking notes. It's almost not important when it happens, it, yeah. but it happens after all of this happens. That yeah. uh, the, um, the dog, Mike is on, Mike is, uh, Mike is with his dog, dog therapist uh, like you know, like and it's a pretty funny scene where it's like like the therapist is speaking calmly with Mike and how do you feel about this and whatever and and they're talking about how Mike won't eat and like and how like like and like obviously like that's because the, the, there's an interloper in the house and that's why he won't eat and then but then um, Jerry's like no 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 you, you your problem here with Mike is you treat him like he thinks he's human he has no dog role models yeah and he and he's like and you feed him this gourmet stuff this is garbage and he's like and he brings it's like they have all these different cans of dog food they've tried. He brings out like Calcan and like one Mighty other dog. Mighty Dog and Puppy Chow, yeah. and he puts away. He's like, 
you got the the minerals and the whatever. This is a complete package in here, you know, and it's pretty tasty. Yeah, and it's obviously he's eaten dog food before because he's a homeless man, and he mixes that and the liver flavored mighty dog or whatever, cow can or whatever. cow can or whatever, and then he's like, and you add a little puppy chow for texture, and then he gets on his hands and knees and starts eating out, out of, the, of bowl, the bowl, like putting his face in the bowl, and Mike comes over confused and starts eating too, and like the, like the two of them like eat out of share the bowl of food together, and she's looking like, oh my Barbara god, Barbara's looking like, yeah. oh my god, you know, and everything, and it's like kind of like it's like a thing like. Like, that was back when Jerry was still defending him. Yeah. So, but so, but then fast forward. So, actually, I just I, want to make sure we mentioned that. I talked that. a little bit about this shot that because when I was talking about the cinematography, this is the moment. So, the the limo that pulls up that we see that beautiful like reflective shot of Jerry is it's the father of this kid. Oh, Amir. oh before we do that, because it's at the beginning of that scene, just to make sure we get cover it is. Some time has passed. Clearly, uh, uh, Dave's got his car back, yeah. and he's really mad at Jerry. Because apparently, like, one of the times Jerry drove out with his friends in the rolls, uh, one of his friends stole the radio. Oh, yeah. Because like, he's like, I got a radio. And I like, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he's, like, really mad. And that's when they pull up. Because, like, right. and, 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 and Jerry begins his constant litany of, well, I'll just go then. He's like, nah, you don't have to go, you know. Yeah. So the, the, the apparently his father pulls up and... Um, With admittedly his harem, and it's a little, little and the music gets a little, like it's a little, but it's not, but it's, well, yeah, not, not, like, you know, like I can't do it, but it's like, it's like that, it's Hollywood's idea of what the Middle East sounds like. So, and he rolls down the window halfway, so we get to actually catch. Uh, Nolte's reaction in this moment. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, that's right. Like Nolte's the window. Nolte's face is looking, and he's like, and he thanks him. Yeah, he says, "I want to thank you, you know, for talking to my son. He, you know, we just moved to Beverly Hills, and it's been a really hard, you know, transition for him, and he doesn't have any friends. But you know, you you talk to him, and you give him an apple, and you made him happy, and that was very nice of you. And he hands him five hundred bucks, right, just for talking to his kid. And, and uh, you and, know, and and and, and, just, and, and, like, and takes it, and, and, and yeah, he's like." Well, because he's like a homeless guy. Yeah, he's gonna I mean, be like, you hand, you hand a homeless yeah. guy money, they're going to be like, of course, yes, thank, thank you. you. I have no money. Yes. You know, and, 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 and at this point, Dreyfus is like blown Baffled, away. Like, yeah. what? You know, and oh, let's let's go ahead and get this in because it, it's been mentioned a lot. Um, there's a big New Year's meeting oh, that, yeah. he, that he's going to be having with a bunch of investors from uh, from the Chinese government. Which would like catapult his business huge right. if like, they decided like, to. Cause yeah, like, cause when he was going through the thing, he's like, there's 700 million people in China. That's at least 200 million hangar sales, I can guarantee. Yeah. You know, like he's you know, like, they all have clothes. They're all neat, yeah. <laughs> you know, and whatever. And, uh, you know, so like there's a there's a whole thing of that. And I will say, but, but going back to the car thing, yeah. I... It was it was interesting because it was still clumsy in that Hollywood liberal trying to do good but being vaguely racist during it. Yeah. But it was interesting in the eighties, especially to see because in the eighties, remember Iranians were probably the number one, like, worst of the Middle Eastern people for Americans because right. like we forget like we forget weirdly enough before before uh, the nineties, like I I vaguely remember America was sort of on a rock side because Iran and Iraq were in that big war for like eight years throughout most of the 80s and Americans were mostly on a rock side because the enemy of our enemy thing we didn't have any like like there was no like we did like no one who except people who really followed politics knew who Saddam Hussein was right. knew, like the US government was clearly more aligned with uh, the the, ba- the Ba'athist like secular government than they were with the Iranian uh, theocracy right you know so like it's but like Iranians were kind of a bad guy 
Oh yeah, a lot in a lot of ways. Like, well, hell, remember Rambo three? The Afghanistanis who are like now the Taliban were the good guys too because they were the enemies of Russia. Well, a lot of the things in the eighties. A lot of our our our, our supposed allies in the eighties immediately became our enemies whenever the 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 situation shifted but these guys like the iranians were like the rock bottom and like they treat like the fact they chose like the most despised of the you know of the groups i think was an interesting like choice on the movie's part well, it was kind of like cool okay and it was also a really funny moment actually when little richard and this happens before oh yeah they're all piling into the oh yeah into the limits little richard who delivered that wonderful sermon earlier yes um as as uh the the father and then the harem of wives are you know parading in he actually looks at them and says oh there goes the neighborhood yeah i know i'm like again it's like ooh, but yeah it's like would yeah, never like, have worked if any if, if any of the white people right oh i found yeah, yeah cool i finally this is actually we're back to when i started taking oh, notes good. again i just realized because yeah i was like i was like that's almost racist but i guess it's okay when little richard says it you know oh, we missed something by the way um we did have this movie uh right after the sex scene uh, this movie did pull. Uh, we 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 had finally the the trigger pulled on Chekhov's Midler, because you've had Bette Midler in this movie this whole oh, time right. without singing a song. Yeah. Like that, that like the the rule of Bette Midler in a movie is okay. She's gonna sing eventually, right? Like she's gonna sing something, right? Mm-hmm. So like she starts doing. It's not it's not quite it's Madeline Kahn singing Oh Sweet Mystery of Life at Last I've Found You, but it's you know. The you belong to me. Yeah. Song. Yeah. yeah. You know. Right and. um so anyway, they, they. Um, that was like that. So, that right, so now right. they're so, so now so, this is where the, the house is starting to unravel. We find first of all they like they've got rats in the in the house now. But we find that out because Bet uh, when when uh, Dreyfus comes in, uh, he he needs a drink because he's gotten a car accident and all these different things are going on, whatever. And uh, she's obviously like been released from this. You know, so she's obviously turned on and she's been drinking. And it's this very funny moment where she's like. <laughs> trying to seduce him and doing it weirdly. We have rats. Yeah. Big Norwegian ones. Yeah. <laughs> which is which for the for okay, the record, I like I, I I'm not gonna sermon. go too deeply no, no, into give it. Your sermon. No, this, cool. is, this is one of those things where it's like I love the fact that like there's something about when we talk about rats, we always like try to like make them scarier by calling them Norwegian rats whenever like 90% of the rats in the world like now are pretty much ratus norvegicus. Like it's the most common rat breed. It's the kind that pet rats are. Yeah. Like they're not that like you know, like they're like not to be confused with the ratus ratus, the plague rat of the mid, of the Middle Ages. But it's just kind of funny because they're like they're they're like that's like that's supposed to make them slightly more terrifying, but when it really just means we've got rats, big ones. You know, of the most popular kind. Right. That's like saying we've got squirrels in our yard. Big ones. Gray squirrels. Yeah. So um, they end up going upstairs and I guess they have sex. And it's, it's she's obviously satisfied, but he doesn't look satisfied. Yeah, well, yeah, because like, again, we've got like, I guess he's had his, his, the MGM phone call, I guess, of, of his life. Isn't mm-hmm. that like, like as, like, like throughout most of the movie, he has gotten more and more satisfied because Jerry's filled a hole in his life. But now Jerry's, oh God, I almost went to a really gross place by mistake. Jerry's <laughs> filling our barber's holes. There, I went there anyway, and not like he, and he's not so he's not so much. Into so he it. tries to go downstairs to um, have sex with Carmen, and uh, finds out that because she oversees, she actually overhears and sees them uh starting oh and, to- oh and she tells jerry oh, she oh i forget she actually tells jerry after they had sex that she knows 
about Carmen, and she even encouraged it because she thought that would get him out of the way, make him happier, happier. yeah, you know, and make it so. Like, so when he goes downstairs, and then um, she didn't care about herself, she, you know? right? So he goes downstairs to try to have sex with Carmen, um, and she, Carmen before had seen Bet. Uh, Midler's character uh, trying to seduce uh, Dave and she tells him to stop and he's like I can't she's my wife I can't stop so they go you know they go upstairs so she's obviously pissed and to enacting revenge she ends up having sex with but before but before that happens the, the first time he goes in like she's like smoking a cigarette but instead of like being waiting for him she's got like revolutionary posters on her wall and she's like doing she's studying like she's reading books okay. that Jerry gave her. Remember? Oh, I thought that happened after, but maybe no, no, I think I. Uh, well, no, you I think you're right. But I think I, I'm I, pretty sure. Um, I mean, I may be wrong, but I feel like like because I think this time she's still like. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe she's still having sex with people. So I think she's not. No, you're right. No, I think she did. They do. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm, so, I know, so, you're right. So she's having sex with with Jerry. He, like, and he tries to like make all this noise so that Jerry comes out of the room and he's like, "Are you in there, diddling Carmen?" She's like, he's like, "Yeah," and she and she comes out and she's all like smug about it, like Jerry, get me a tab. <laughs> get me a tab. Oh no, no, that did happen. Happen after because there's tab. <laughs> oh I, no, yeah. that happens with the. That, I thought that was with the Chinese people because they all order a tab. No, the, well maybe maybe you're right. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, this movie is all about tab. Tab. Like, like tab so much of the 80s. Yeah, Whitey that's right. Comes up a lot. Okay, you know what? Explain my notes then because I'm, I've got some gaps and I think we've passed this point. Long story what, short. No, no, explain this. Oh. What is Barbara the Transplants? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm assuming it's transplants. Otherwise, it's transplants. I don't know what that means. <laughs> and, and what about they travel in gangs? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> okay, so anyway, like, why don't we really quickly go through um, all the those? ways that, Jer- that Jerry is like helping the rest of the family now. Sure. So Jerry, so he's Well, except the daughter who's not there yet. But he's sleeping with 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 Barbara. Yeah. And he's, he's released her from her, her whatever. Her yonic pressure. And <laughs> I guess he's um, sleeping with Carmen and then we find out later as John mentioned he's given her he's books. He's given her these books. And like they're all like communism. Rev- these revolutionary books and she's got like the revolutionary posters up and she's Which she's learning that she's oppressed. If you know John at all, this I was John's was favorite part of the movie. No, my favorite part of the movie was the sun's, I already said, was the weirdo song, Helium Bar, yeah, being played okay. under the... Uh, Second the, favorite moment. Yeah, no, it was it was very funny. She had a picture of Daniel Ortega, oh, which is so one of those good. things only the 80s and would somehow, remember. He was on, the leader of Nicaragua. On, 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 and the somehow she's found a channel that's all about, like, communism and... Yeah, you know, she's watching, like, a revolutionary channel, really like, and she's, yeah, she's she's studying, about, she's studying Marx and the revolution, basically. Very um and you know so and the son the son yeah is clearly like you and throughout the movie you see like throughout his room he's got all sorts of gender non-conforming like posters he's got like bowie next to like i can't remember oh my god the grace jones one grace jones oh my god that was such a cool grace jones one man show yes which i was like i was like i want that poster that is a badass poster of grace jones but um so you know like it like like basically you can say the kid the kid comes to like like Jerry kind of asked the kid what's going on, and like he's like, I can't tell my dad who I. Well, am. no, before, the, this is how Jerry introduces. Oh no, no, oh, he no. catches him in the mirror. He's like, oh yeah, he's putting he on says, makeup, and he says, "You need more orange." Yeah, yeah. Instead of instead of being like, "What are you doing?" or whatever, mm-hmm. he says, "You need more orange," and you know, the kid's like, and he's like, you know, and then like whatever, you're like you do, and like he's basically like they end up having a talk where he's like, you know, you you're doing who you are. You you, and he's like, well, I don't know who you are, you know, who I am yet. I'm just, I, you know, he's like, well, you're finding out. You know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Your parents are love you. Your parents are good people. Be honest with them about who you are. They'll understand. You know, and also again, you could use even a little more orange. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's he's very supportive, and he's like, and he's like, he's like, I'm afraid to bring my friends around. You know, like, and he's like, well. You know, like take them into New Year's. Like they're gonna, they're gonna be so like 
they're gonna be so freaked out by my friends. He's like, let them be, you know, yeah. like do it. like he's super supportive of the son and whatever the son like the whatever the son's issues with going like I mean like, I'm gonna go ahead and call him son throughout because I don't he never declares himself in any way no. like you know like he, he doesn't he doesn't declare, declare himself any different gender he right, just or he just binary or anything like yeah. you know I mean I'm guessing for it being the 80s the implication was more just that he might be gay because that was that was crazy enough in the 80s. I guess so yeah you know I like it's so. never it's never really like you know you never it, it's you know like but it's like he's very like he, he's definitely like working this androgyny angle and you get like in a more modern movie I feel like they would have made it much more clear if it was a gender thing yeah you know but like but again he doesn't even know he's not sure he's not he's you know he's, he's yeah he's like uh, he's, he's exploring he's yeah. like 16 or something I don't yeah. know 15 16 he's, he's young or maybe 14 no he's older than that yeah. I think he's like 16, 17. But yeah, but he's yeah, he's still he's still in high school. Mm-hmm. He's still he's not sure, you know. And like the movie actually weirdly weirdly sensitive on that issue. Very sensitive. Yeah. Like really the only times it's really shown like like you have characters reactions to it, like the characters are unable to take right. it. The parents but are not he, okay with it. But, but, the, but he's not really presented as an object of ridicule. He's mm-hmm. presented as someone who's just trying to find out who he is. Yeah. So, you know, like weirdly sensitive for an 80s movie. Yeah. I was like I I like this movie is like it's got its problems, but the problems I expected it to have are not the ones that were there. Right. You know, which was very weird. So, um, yeah. Let me see. And, and let me see who else is left. Um, we haven't gotten to the daughter yet. She the, comes, da- the daughter. The from... daughter's coming home, and the daughter hates him immediately. By the way. Um, well, the daughter's coming home, and she's supposed to be bringing her roadie boyfriend, who but, yeah. is but it not turns a out drug some, addict. Yeah, yeah, he's, I'm sure he does. He smokes a little weed. He does a little coke. But you know, he's not. He's, he's not, not a drug addict. And then she addict. walks in. She walks in, and she's like, "He's a drug addict." Yeah. And, so he, he doesn't come home with her. She and, she meets this. Oh, oh, let me let, let me just mention also. He doesn't go over very well with the gardener though. Because we got to get that. The gardener oh, yeah. tells during during all the bad things that are starting to happen to Jerry. The gardener mentions that like the hydrangeas and the azaleas are dying in one corner. Yeah. And he's like, you know, like it like it looks like the dog might be going to the bathroom, but it's too much. Yeah. Like you know, he's like, oh, I know what's happening. He's like, because he's like, I just want to make sure you know we are trying. Like it's not us. We're not doing a bad job with this. They're just dying. Yeah. There's something going on. So it's obvious that Jerry's like pissing, pissing in the bushes. Yeah. You know. Um, I think my favorite moment in that is that the gardener then says to him, you know, you look like you could use a vacation. Oh, yeah. And he offers Hawaii. his, he, the gardener offers his condo, condo in, in Maui. Hawaii. Yeah, in Hawaii. <laughs> Which is like. Which is like, I want a condo, I want a condo in Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> I, want, I want to live at a gardener's salary and have a, car, a condo in, my, in Maui. That's pretty amazing. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, the daughter comes home finally. Right. This is, uh, like, we've caught up with everybody now. Yes. The daughter is home. Yeah, her first impression of Jerry is he's a con man and she doesn't like him. Right. She and he's and his impression of her is you need to eat something. Yeah. And she's like, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, like what? You know, like shut up. You know, don't judge me. You don't know me. Right. Who Who do you think you are? I do love that they skip over Hanukkah and Christmas and they jump right to New Year's. Like we don't even talk. Like well, I mean, yeah, it is New Year's. That's yeah, true. It's New Year's. It is. New, there's one. There's one concession to the holiday to the holidays. Um, uh, but not yeah, not Hanukkah. Even though they're obviously Jewish. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, but, uh, but that's later. So she she gets mad at him, and then he he's playing the piano, and then he stands. Yeah, up like oh well, that's she, later. Like she like that that's, oh. that's 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 at night. Everyone's just like she gets mad at him oh. at dinner. Oh, that's right. And then later on, like he's alone, and he's playing he, he's playing Debussy on the piano, and she comes downstairs, and she she recognizes like she she asks him if it's Debussy. He says yeah, rah, 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 you know, and like like he's like not a lot of chances to play the piano and. You know, on the streets or blah blah blah, and she like she's she basically calls him out and says, "I will, you know, I'm going to get you out of this house. I'm going right. to do this." And she she reads him the riot act, and then in a scene that I did not care for, no. like he forcefully kisses her, 
and it does the the same like it's like this is the era but when hollywood convinced itself that if you kiss a woman hard enough she would just want she'll want to kiss yeah. back regardless yeah because you know i mean the implication being of course that like oh she's har- harboring a hidden desire for him right but that's a gross message to give i did not like yeah, this part this at was, all this was my least favorite yeah they, part of the because movie. it because it, it it plays into that stereotype that men often have that if they like that men are given actually even that like a woman's just playing hard to get and if she if she doesn't like you there's a good chance she's secretly attracted to you and if right. you just push hard enough she'll 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 melt in your arms right you know which is just a bad message to yes. give to anyone yes you know that like if someone says no you should keep pushing you know so, so but but passing by this but, but we'll, we'll, moment anyway we'll they, have to come back to it anyway but, but anyway like it's like she joins in and obviously enjoys it so now at this point the count of people uh that jerry's had sex with is up to three uh dave is unfortunately stuck stuck at two but you know considering the third is his daughter i think it's good that he stopped um i don't think anyone else has sex in this movie so i think we've, i think we've i think we've capped, capped off all the sex acts and so that brings us into and oh and, and once again we have yet another jerry threatening to leave and everyone saying no and and like like at least stay till after the holiday right you know, and it's again, it's so funny because we live in the Midwest, you know, specifically the Chicago area. Like this whole movie is so bright and sunny and warm and people are in shorts and swimming, swimming. all throughout. And the movie takes place between Thanksgiving and New Year's, essentially. Yeah. At one point I it's wrote like the month of December. It was such a great moment because I had to check myself because at one moment uh, Barbara's driving in the car and she's wearing a fur and I just started laughing and I'm like, it's supposed to be November. Who wears a fur? And then I was like, and then I was like, oh, well, it is LA. And of course she's going to be wearing. And then I was like, but it's LA. Like, yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, I was like, like, what are you doing in a fur? What the hell are you wearing a fur for? What the hell do you need one for? It's always warm there. Right. It was such a great, it was just a funny, like, oh, wait, like, because in our world, like, right. it would, I mean, not that I, I certainly don't condone that. But it was such an interesting because anybody wearing a fur in November would make total sense. But. Yeah, and then um, so so then we get yeah so let, let's get to the we get to the climax of the movie right now, which now is we're now new, we're at the party the party the big party everyone's there Orvis isn't invited the only one we don't see we don't I don't think we see the Iranian guy Mm-mm. we don't see that neighbor but Orvis is there uh like there's Orvis is playing the piano uh, not yet yeah but uh, like you know there's a bunch of you know they're like. Like everyone's running around, and Jerry's Jerry's dressed as Santa for whatever reason. It's never really explained. It's the second movie where we have a we have a homeless guy dressed as Santa yep. at some point who's probably drunk. Um, the the Chinese uh, show up, and like there's this uh, there's this great moment where like Richard Dreyfus is so out of like whack with everything. He's trying to run around and do everything that he's like. Like he misses the Chinese people coming in, and they're like he has to stop them. Like, oh no, no, let me introduce myself. Like, yeah. let me, let me, let me, like, like so. So basically, there there's a translator who's there, and they make a terrible joke about being about hanging out. Yeah. And, and, and the translator don't mind we're hanging and, around. And, and they like, get it, and, and the translator explains the joke immediately, which is actually like that. That actually was funnier to me than yes. they made the bad joke. Yeah. How, how bad. And then and then, and then he, he offers, offers them, them like plum wine. plum wine with like something something in it, and they and they and they all they all would rather have a tab with lemon. Which was very funny. <laughs> you know, like because again, this movie. Um, Party goes on for a while. Oh, and the party goes on for a while. There's dancing. Um, at one point, Elizabeth Pena is talking to the communist guy, and she's like talking about rebel, the, the Chinese guy, and she's talking about revolution and Marx and everything. And he's like, "Ugh, Marx is boring." <laughs> like, yeah. like he's like, like because it's really funny because it's obviously this is uh, this is around actually around the time the Chinese government really started doing the the thing where they were like trying to bring they they were injecting more capitalism in like you know because. Yeah, there's so much business that goes on in China. Right. You know, it's like, you know, it's it's very it's 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 
very hard to say that the Chinese government is in any meaningful way cap uh, communist, like in this in this in the business world, you know. Uh, so you know, it's just kind of funny to see them like as bored with Marx as an American would be uh, at that point. Um, and uh, at one, and then we finally get called to dinner with a gong. Yes, which is. I, I'm torn with whether or not, like... I, actually, it's not to dinner. She, she oh, no, just to, to, go the, to, to go dancing. Oh, to go dancing. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The gong comes before the dancing. You're right. Like, there's a... Yeah, it's not really dinner. You don't really see dinner. No, party. you don't It's a cocktail dinner. party. Um, you know, like, she calls him with a gong. And I, I think... I Like, I, I'm torn between the interpretation of this movie just being hilariously 80s racist and the more and the more nuanced take of the Whitemans are hilariously 80s racist. <laughs> You know, which would make some sense. And at that point we get, and the climax is getting real close because we get, finally, uh, the trigger is pulled on Chekhov's Little Richard because you have Little Richard in a movie and he's not doing a musical number. Yeah. Oh, yes, he <laughs> so, is. yeah, yeah. So, uh, which is kind of, I, kind of, kind of, kind of funny because we established that Orvis Goodnight is a record producer. Yeah. We've also established Tutti Fruity Place yes. on the radio. So we've established this is a world with Little Richard that involves a man that looks just like Little Richard singing uh, singing like Little Richard, playing the piano like Little Richard at this party. But which it's is not like, Little Richard. But it's not Little Richard. It's a very like meta moment of yeah. like, wait, what? what? Like, so it's you, almost like the Ocean's Eleven where they're like, you look just like Julie Drive. Ocean's yeah. Twelve where she's like, you look just like a... Uh, oh, like, Julie Roberts. Oh, Julie yeah, Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, it's like the first... Well, they like, never actually say her name, which is so... You look just real, like her. Like her. That's yeah, right. But it's like we're breaking... It's like we're breaking... We're, we're close to breaking yeah. a fourth wall here with yeah. that. So, and then that now... Like, the sun shows up around this time. Yes. With his... like, It's kind of funny because this is 86. The new romantic movement was kind of over... I mean, these guys, these kids all look very new romantic. They're all in like makeup and crazy. One's in like Boy George makeup. Yeah, one has like the big long like top knot ponytail. Like he's almost like pseudo Asian. Yes. Looking with like like the pancake makeup and the Spock eyebrows and you know and like everyone should like that's his band. Yes. They never you never hear his band's music by the way. Right, that's true. They're supposed to go set up, and then they never actually. They never actually play. get to that. They never get to that point. Yeah, but they're going to set up because they agreed his like because they were so excited he was bringing friends over that they let his, they 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 were like yes of course your band can play exactly. you know and at this point there's this like uh, Dave is talking with his daughter and his daughter actually like like as she's talking casually like they're walking by all these people with trays of hors d'oeuvres and she's just eating off them like nom, nom. and she's like eating constantly and he's right. like he suddenly realizes she's, she's eating, eating and it's because she's found purpose she's found meaning she's in love with Jerry and he's like Jerry who and he's like Jerry our Jerry dad and, and that's yeah. and that's when we get the full climax of the movie where Richard Dreyfuss is like like the the song is still playing. Yes. Richard Dreyfus is chasing Jerry throughout the house in a crazy slapstick manner. They run out to the pool where it all began, and he like he tackles Jerry into the pool and he's trying to drown him. And like like and I, I want to say this: in what universe is Richard Dreyfus ever going to take Nick Nolte in a fight? I mean, never. Like Nick Nolte's like six two two fifty. Like yeah. he's a big. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Like Nick Nolte's a big dude, and like Nick and Richard Dreyfus is basically like my height. Yeah. He's, 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 He's essentially like an eleven-year-old boy, yeah. like 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 in, in size, you know. And he's like trying to drown him, and like the like his relative, who's kind of connected to the deal or whatever. That guy with like the short curly oh, hair. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, oh, in America, like, because the Chinese, are like, what's going on? I was like, oh, in America, like we like here in California, and we celebrate, like we get excited on New Year's, and we'll jump, we jump into in the pool, pool with our clothes yeah. on, and, <laughs> and so, so everyone jumps into the pool. In and... It's like crazy, like 
like chaos yep. and the song ends little richard is alone fireworks start going off yeah. um the dog- uh, bet midler's yelling call 911 call 911 but no one's hearing and mike kind of cocks his head when he hears that and runs over and hits, hits the, the alarm button. we have helicopters fireworks are go- like all the fireworks they did for chinese new year like chinese style fireworks are, are going off it looks like it looks like the end of a, like like they're flying out of saigon well and then there's this moment where the they set off the fireworks and then the dave bar thing lights up yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like it is. It's, it's it's like it's a wild party. It's it's craziness, and then it fades out. You know, with that going on, and for those of you who saw, uh, it's yeah. The the, begin, the the what season was it? Season four. I have no idea. It doesn't a, matter. A Breaking but, yeah. Bad, where like it's the pool. Yeah, it begins this, like the beginning of that season because they're like they're like, going across. There's debris <laughs> everywhere. You see like like the sun is like on a chair. Like just everybody's like, sort of sleeping everyone's, out like, a lawn chair. everyone's like laying out like just you know and like and like it's this awkward thing where like Jerry's still there with Richard Dreyfus and they're all just like yeah you know, like it's like this awkward like weirdness um and like finally he's like all right jerry was there ever like were you ever you know an actor or what well there, oh i forgot he asked him if he was an actor on the bridge remember when he recited shakespeare at it. oh yeah that's right but he asked him like were you ever you know did you, were you ever this uh, did you have did you ever like were you ever in paris he's yeah, like did no. you did you have a sister, sister with leukemia, leukemia don't even have a sister yeah you know and like you know basically and stuff like he's like it like he's like everyone's telling like you know like the white bet midler's like have you ever been to an ashram he's like, drove past uh, one yeah, once drove by once you know and and carmen's like but the books you gave me he's like i got them at a grocery store yeah. or something like, like all the scales are falling like off, he's like, like basically yeah. he's like telling everyone what they wanted to hear yeah. you know and, and he's like you know you wanted to hear that you know yeah. but yeah you know, like you know, and like all the good things he did. I will say, ironically, there is not a single moment where he ever lied to the son. Yeah, that's true. Like there's nothing. All he did with the son was say, be yourself. Yeah. Which is ironic because Jerry was, but Jerry was never, like Jerry lied about his past, but Jerry never once said he was anything other than wanting to be a homeless. He's like, he, like someone who didn't really want to work and didn't yeah. really want to do this or that. Like he was, so in a way, like he, he was only lying to them about his individual circumstances. Yeah. You know. So he he gets undressed. Um, yeah, because oh, Richard, like he's like, you want to have this back? And he's like, yeah, like you know, he's like, get, like he's like, well, you know, here, give me, you take your clothes back. And he's like, you know, throwing. It was like, I gave you the underwear too. And so you see, like once again, Nolte's naked. Yeah. Um, and he and and Nolte, he throws the five hundred dollars at him. He's like, that no, that's your money you were given. He's like, nah, it's your apple. Yeah. You know, so he won't even take the five hundred dollars. And he, so he starts to leave, and Matisse gets really upset, and he starts to go, you know, bark at him, and and they're and he's like, Matisse, stay here, this is your home, and he's like, and, and Barbara's like, no, you take him, he's never really fit in here, and he loves you, and so he's like, all right, fine, and they're all standing there, Carmen, Barbara, right. Dave, the son, the daughter, and oh, and she asks, what about us, Jerry, and he's like, ah, Jenny, c'est la vie. Yeah, and like that's sort of the end of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was like, yeah. He was like, whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. yeah with Jenny, he was so like, so they mm. start to. So they. So he. They just stand there. They he stand leaves. there while he leaves, and and, he and, and, Mike, my, and Matisse follows Matisse him, follows and him. and they, you, he, he's in the alley back between. There's like an alley between all the houses where they put out their trash and everything, you know. And he's walking down it, and he, he's like, and and Matisse acts like he's hungry, and he's like, ah, you're, you're hungry. Well, let's get one more dinner on 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 the Whitemans, and he reaches in like into their dumpster and pulls out a can of uh, of. Pate, pate, think, yeah. and he puts it down on the ground. He's like, "Come on, let's eat." And they're getting down on their hands and knees and eating. And my and and Matisse is like, you know, like he's like tugging yeah. back towards the house, and he's like, eh. "And put a pin here. Uh, remind me when the, to pull the pin out when okay. we're done, because we're almost done with the movie." Yeah. And I figured. So like he's trying to like tug back, and 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 
so Jerry looks up and the whole family is there. Yeah, they're all just watching him. And oh, is, oh, and oh, I forgot Carmen had offered him a cappuccino before he left. He right, was, uh, and the he other was thing like, nah. that's important to note too is that it's the, the, that the thing with the sun that's been such a, a big thing that we talked about throughout is that he's he's never without that camera. But the minute that Jerry sees him and has like a vulnerable moment with him and tells him the thing about you right. know, he needs more orange and then they have that other really sweet moment. Yeah, you don't you see know, him. You don't see him oh, and now camera. he has the camera again. Well, he doesn't have the camera again, but he holds up his hands like, and he says, departure scene, take one. So you can see that yeah. everybody's starting to revert. revert and, yeah. and Jenny says, I'll never eat again. Like everybody again. starts to Everyone's have reverting. All these... and, oh, I forgot to mention the video, he, the second video he made that was just all the scenes of Dreyfus and the mother yelling, yelling at him. Yelling at him, yeah. You know, and they're like, what's he trying to say? Like, they didn't even, like, they they couldn't couldn't even, he couldn't, he couldn't show me being nice. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like, but like, but but yeah, so they're all like, and they're all like kind of looking at him plaintively and, and he says like, all right, come on, Matisse, let's go get a cappuccino. Yeah. So obviously he's going back. He's going to go back and like, and that's where the credits like start. Right. Like the movie's over and the movie kind of ends with another homeless guy just sort of walking through in the background. Yeah. And the montage of the music. Like as the, as the credits go over. What was your pin? The pin on that is that's the exact moment where a better ending could start. Oh my God. Yes. And the better ending, which is kind of a, I guess maybe mirrors the Renoir film where he leaves the better ending for me. It's a darker ending, but a better ending is even Matisse goes back to like Matisse goes back to his family and Jerry is alone again. Mm. Yeah. That's a better ending, I think. Yeah. Where like because it shows these people have chosen their comfortable mediocrity with wealth. Yeah. Even Matisse the dog is more comfortable being a neurotic dog with like with a roof over his head and yeah. meals all the time than any sort of like freedom that might involve having to face reality. Okay. And I think I think that's a better ending for the movie instead of like the neutered ending that I think this movie has where he goes back when and it kind of it's almost feels sitcommy like okay now we just have a homeless man who lives in our house now. Well, and, he's and I was going to also guest. ask this question so is then so is the idea that he's going to go back and he's going to have sex with all three of them again and that's just going to be their life then? Cuz that's really gross to me. I don't know that that's implied. I don't know that I don't I think like well one I don't think Jenny's going to have sex with them again. You don't? Well, now that she knows that he... Like, now... Like, because Jenny's looking for love. Right. Now that she knows he doesn't love her. Uh-huh. I don't know if Bette Midler might. She did She did say it wasn't going to happen again, and then it happened again. He's like, well, this is the last time. Like, I don't know where the sex is going on. I don't know if it's going to turn into some sort of weird orgy house. But think about this. If you're in that house and you realize that he's had sex with every female in that house... And so is Richard Dreyfus, other than his daughter. I mean, like, are you really inviting this person back? They're, in they're coming into sorry. sex cult. Oh, it, it's sex cult. So but like, I, but, the, the, but like, forgetting that even, like, it's just... <laughs> Forgetting that angle, because I think I, I think you might be like like you might be taking it to a darker place than the movie. Ever. Well, it feels really dark. What do you but want? It, like, it just it, it just ignores the general. Like it is pretty dark. It just ignores the general idea that like like he like so now what? Like he's just like lives with them and he's yeah, he a fan. like is he work? part of the family? Right. Well, I mean, I, look, I am all about him not having to work. Well, of course you are. I am. I love it. <laughs> no, but like, I, I mean, I don't think, like, I, I think part of the whole point of Jerry is like, I don't want to do this work because it's not dignified any more than being homeless is. Yeah. And I'm fine with that idea. I just feel like, like, he, like, like, I don't know. It feels very weird and neutered. And I feel like, how do they take him back? How does this work? Like, how, like, I feel like it's a better message in the movie that like, he showed them a different way, but that that different way is difficult and involves facing shit. Yeah. And I, I feel like 
like rich white America in the 80s was all about not facing shit. So yeah. I feel like it's a better statement to be like, yeah, well, you know what? Really don't you change. get you get a yeah, people like I don't think like this movie do, it just doesn't feel like it's earned enough that people really like cuz well the the fact that they showed them slipping with him leaving implies that if they don't have him around to keep them yeah. All of their changes and lessons will disappear. Right, exactly. And I think if you're if you're saying that, you need to say that. Yeah. And if you're not saying that, if they're fine without him, then then he can come back. Right. Because then it's they want him around because they actually care about it. Right. Agreed. Which think, again, no words are spoken, so right. they like you don't know what their message is on that right. anyway. Right. So the message I have to get out of it yeah. from the way they were acting is, without him, they will fall apart. Well, and they all have this like weird like smile at the like end. It's, it's just sort of like, like what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Come on back. This is what we're, this is, we're family now. But like, if you're going to say that, you got to say that. I don't, I, 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 I like, they look at it like we're family now because I, I like, again, I, I feel like the movie kind of swings and a miss on, on the, on the ending big I mean, time. In, in a way, I kind of like that it's a little, un- that it's a little, uh, it, it, it in a weird way, it's not what it's intended to do, I don't think, because it is supposed to just be this comedy that, you know, that's funny and the music that they play over it, it's it, it is supposed to be I think I think deep down, like if I were to have a sit down with the with the director mm-hmm. the director, I'd be like, You meant that to be complicated, didn't you? And I bet he would say yes. Right. But because we're talking about an eighties movie with eighties sensibilities and eighties uh uh audiences i think we're supposed to take it as oh they took him back yeah it's like oh it's he a hat came back uh, not only did they take him back he took them he back. took them back like it, it, yeah, it, it, the, it, yeah. it, it, it feels like a happy ending and i think the movie sets it up as the happy ending yeah. but there is this i i, I feel like I, I would have wanted it to be feel a little more open ended, and I felt I like all throughout the movie. I'm like the way the way this weird remake of Six Degrees of Separation is actually it's a prequel, I guess, to Six Degrees of Separation. The way this is going on, yeah, like it's not going to be satisfying unless he goes off on his own at the end, and then he yeah. didn't, and he doesn't. Yeah. And I, I actually I was actually I did again. I I'm, I've never seen the movie. I knew chunks about it, but I mainly knew it from the Mad Magazine parody, which mm-hmm. is not an accurate way to get any sort of information about a movie A and B generally speaking they end weird like and not like the movie ends but so like like again like I, I felt like the movie like there the movie didn't learn its own lesson in a right. way and that that bothered me in a way yeah. but I guess we've got some questions for each other well yeah and I, I was thinking about this today um, you know as we were uh, coming back to record this one of the things that we talk about as when we first, I, I just want to throw this out there before we get into these questions because I think it's an important element okay. of our podcast now. And I decided, I haven't talked about this with John yet, so this is going to be this is very much oh, a uh, spontaneous gonna, moment uh, here. Do you want a divorce? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. Call the lawyer. <laughs> no, what I was going to say was I was thinking about our 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 role and how this podcast is evolving and so many things that are happening. Like when we first started the idea of this podcast. It was really more about like, oh my God, we have these little gaps in our, you know, world of we've seen so many movies that are similar, but then there's these gaps that Mm -hmm. you haven't seen this and I haven't seen that. And so it was about showing each other these movies. And that's innocent and sweet and awesome. And I think it's important that we do that. But as we've both gotten older, as as our country has started to change, as the Mm -hmm. atmosphere around our, you know, social media and our friends and the things that we, I mean... For, for lack of a better word, like as the people around us that we want to associate with mm-hmm. are getting more and more woke, 
you know, to use the, you know, to use that word. Um, Please don't ever use that word again. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to, you know, to give it just a basic idea. A lot of our podcasts from where we started and where we are now, we talk a lot about many of the issues that are, are arise in these movies. Right. Because they, while they were funny then or they were accepted then, we see the major problems and how right. they are now. And I think that's really an important element to this. And I hear us saying this throughout. We say it in the way that we tweet about mm, it. We say this right. in the way that we talk about it. Does this movie hold up? And I think that's an important question. Um, I think we answer it throughout and we talk about that. Well, I mean, that's that. part of, I think, where the question... That's how I try to answer with worth Well, that was going to say... I just wanted to clarify... watching, yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I wanted to clarify it just a little bit, but just for myself. Okay. Because I was thinking about it and I'm like, we talk about it and I think that... And I also think that it's okay to say, and I will, I'm will. i somebody mm-hmm. who does this, is that I don't know that I could recommend X, X movie because of these problems with it, but was it worth revisiting because it brought yeah. me this nostalgia right. or this memory of right, who yeah. I was with or whatever? And I think it's important to make those distinctions. So I just wanted to throw that yeah, out there. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's implied, and I'm sure everybody else gets that, but because right. my my memory of how we originated this podcast and where we are now, I think it's a really important evolution. Okay, and so I just wanted I, to throw I, that out there for I, clarity. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of, I, I guess it's been so gradual, I never really thought about it because yeah. I, I don't, I didn't. But it's kind of like conceptually, I think a lot of people hear the word problematic mm-hmm. and they think that's something you must reject. Yes. Whereas thank you. problematic actually, like, like, if something's awful, it's just awful. Like, you can reject, like, Revenge right. of the Nerds, I don't think it's a problematic movie. I think it's a bad movie with a very bad, bad worldview and a bad yeah, message. I agree. Then there are movies that are more prob- problematic to me is something where, like, I think that's best used to describe something that you still can enjoy, but you need to be aware. Trading Places is Like Trading Places, yes. Yeah. Like a, most 80s comedies, you can still enjoy a lot of these movies. Just do be aware of the content. I mean, hell, even like my, like when I, when I like defend Cobra to you, Cobra is beyond problematic, admittedly, to like bad in a lot of ways. But like, I, I can watch Cobra because I'm aware that it's, kind of evil mm-hmm. like, like you walk in knowing what like you have to know yeah. like you have to be able to like say when i'm enjoying this what parts am i enjoying right. what part of my brain are they activating yeah you know this is a weird movie to bring this up with because it's mildly problematic but like it's not as bad as some of the ones we've seen True. but yeah but like it is but like yeah like i think this movie and we'll get to it when we get to the worths but it is like it, it, it like it works very much in that idea like it's like there's you can glean the good out of a problematic work yes. as long as you are not just taking it and consuming it blindly. Correct. Like, it, like you, can, you can enjoy trashy, trashy movies as long as you say, okay, this, this trashy cop movie has underlying elements of fascism under it that I need to remember are there, whether they're intentional or not. And that's, that's not cool but hey, explosions and shit are my jam. Let's watch these explosions it's and shit. Kind of how I watch Chicago PD because um, you know lots of I have lots because of all friends. cops are bastards. Well, I have lots of friends on the show, and <laughs> mm-hmm. I have, you know, and I I definitely right. have to support you know. It, there's a chance that I'll be on that show at some. Hi, point. paramedic Courtney. <laughs> well, she's that's Chicago Med, but, but yeah. Oh, but like she's never been in. She in actually any of the was. Other ones. She yeah. actually was on both. PD They're all over that. Yeah. Like, well, because it's one Chicago. I mean, it's yeah. like, but my point is that. I have a harder time. I have a harder time watching Chicago PD versus Fire and Men, right. and the reason is because it is about cops and it's about watching I'm, cops be corrupt, right. and, and it's an, 
and it's it's hard to watch it sometimes. But I walk in with my eyes open. I know that I'm about right. to see something with right. these issues that I have, but I watch it anyway. Right. right. Yeah. And I and I enjoy the parts that are not specifically these issues that I have. Right. I watch for the relationships. I watch for Amy Morton. I watch for the people that I really right. Yeah. Watch yeah. You're like, like here's a good performance. Yeah. Here's a character I like. Yes. Like. It's, it, yeah, it, and I will tell you this, when you are someone like, say, me, who has both often, very, like, I have some very dumb mainstream tastes, let's not pretend I'm super avant-garde, right. but, like, uh, certain things I like are, are, are more fringe, and I, I know my personal political beliefs are very out there, you know, like, they are not mainstream at all, and there's a lot of, like, I, it's hard to consume pop culture mm-hmm. without, like, like for me, it's always kind of a bitter pill to swallow with any pop culture because it's like, oh, this is fun, but I have to remember the Disney Corporation itself is evil. Right. Like when I watch anything, you know, <laughs> like because Disney owns everything now, you know, like it's like it's like I I can enjoy this, but I can also feel really kind of gross about it because again, no ethical consumption or capitalism and all that. Like you can watch these movies and say, man, this is a lot. Like like. Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome is a great movie. Mel Gibson is a is a real piece of shit. Right. He's a real shithead. And if he got run over by a steamroller tomorrow, I wouldn't grieve. You know, yeah. like if he was flattened like a pancake, a la Judge Doom, yep. I would not complain. But like, but you know, like, like, but still, the Mad Max movies are fun. Right. You know, like still, Lethal Weapon One is a fun movie. Yeah. You know, even though again, cops suck and whatever. And that's yeah, that's that same thing. Like you, like. Uh, every rich person needs to be hung from a gallows, but eh, down down Beverly Hills is still entertaining. And I guess let's that's when we can go ahead and sure. I'll ask you a question. Sure. So, Allie, having had this this very aside, this aside, uh, was it worth revisiting? Okay, so and I will say yes, it was. It was worth revisiting. I thought it's, I think it's a funny '80s comedy. Mm-hmm. There are, as we've mentioned throughout this whole movie, there are a few problematic moments. I have a real major issue with the fact that you know. Okay, in a weird way, it's like, all right, fine. You're having sex with the wife. You're having sex with the the the, the housekeeper. Fine. I don't know. When you bring the daughter in, it just it, right. it, it like crosses I mean, a line. The movie make the movie stresses and it the movie stresses that she's 19 for a reason. Yeah, like she's ve- she gross. says very forcefully she's 19 in an yeah, earlier and scene. And it just feels all you know. really gross to me. Right. It's it is. Like, it's 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 icky. It's icky. So I have a real problem with that. Um, but, but in the, in, I, again, I think that weirdly enough, it also addresses some of the most sensitive Mm -hmm. issues that nobody else was really talking about and done in a really brilliantly beautiful way. Uh, So I think, I think in the end, if you can get past a few of the icky moments, the, the majority of this, this movie actually has a fairly decent message with an unfortunate ending that's more complicated than it should have been as we look back on it. But yes, mm. I do think it was worth revisiting and I ha- right. and I would recommend watching it. Right, yeah. Eh. Oh, sorry, I need to ask you. Was it worth watching? You know what? I'm going to agree on, on the same, like almost with a very similar justification. Like I'm going to go more with because I'd never seen it before. Like it's an entertaining movie. Yeah. It's mostly, its heart is largely in the right place. Yes. Like, it's got some issues and some problems. But, like, again, this is, like like we were discussing earlier about, like, how problematic does it mean you throw it away. This is a prime example of how if you throw away this movie for where what it does wrong, you are missing what it does right, yes. which a lot of 80s movies did not do right. Correct. This movie is not homophobic, really. I mean, it has moments where the, like, the characters are kind of freaked out by the, the, by the concept, but the characters are freaked out. The movie isn't. And the characters are freaked out because they're, like, stodgy... You know, middle-aged parents, you right. know, like in in a stuffy white neighborhood, 
uh, that's got a lot of money. It's not because it's not like a case of like, and also it shows it also in a way it also points out that they're being vaguely hypocritical because they're they're clearly like the rich Hollywood liberals, right. you know, like that still like I think like again like it's it's fairly sensitive on. You know, like it, it points out even 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 if it kind of glosses over afterwards, it points out that like the police are going to come and protect a white man's house. Yep. They, they you know, it, the like the movie, the movie, out, like yes. the movie is aware of that. The movie does not shy away from it. Like it, and it, uh, if you go back to of its time, the movie is doing a very good job comparatively. Like again, I've seen far more problematic treatments. Heck yeah. Of gender issues and sexuality even in supposedly open shows like will and grace yes you know shows that were supposedly groundbreaking for for putting that out there you know and like we got to remember like in this day and age things change so rapidly like what what was acceptable even 10 years ago is like like off the table in a lot of ways you know and even even like like the most like socially liberal people some of the things that they've said 10 years ago is socially unacceptable now. Right. Like we like there's a there's been a lot of very rapid change in that front. You know, so yep. like I I would say on the whole, like like there's very little in this movie that's truly triggering. I mean, the you know, like the the way he's forceful with uh with the daughter is the closest, but like they that's very short and very over fast. Yeah. And it's just a kiss. You don't see anything else. You yeah, don't see them actually like, happen. Right, yeah. And it's very much implied that after the initial thing, like, it, it's it's a bad thing because it's, like, showing that, oh, she really wants it message-wise, but, like, it's over very fast and it's, like, it's, like, clearly not a, it's not a case of she resists all the way. No. Like, she clearly gives consent after, you know, like, after he screws up at the beginning. Yeah. So it's not quite as gross as it could be. It's still gross. It's still gross. Uh, it's still gross. But, like, like so, yeah, it's, it's a movie, like, again, the problematic aspects of it, are are minimal i think it's it's a net positive as a movie it's fairly entertaining again it's not like the best movie you're gonna see but it's definitely i think it's worth watching right just knowing knowing that it's not perfect and you know that's that's about it um i guess we're gonna wrap things up uh if you want to talk to us more about this movie or uh or to excoriate us for spending so much time being performatively woke at the end of it (laughs) um you can uh you can contact us uh via on twitter at mmis podcast uh or you can talk to us individually uh at ali goodman a-l-i underscore goodman or me at hitler puncher uh, we have, of course, a website, matchmadeinspace.com. And if you would like to contact us via email, if, if anyone ever wants to do that, <laughs> Lord knows why they would. But I mean, maybe suggest made, something. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe send, just send us a letter if you want us to discuss some bullshit topic. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll do some shitty mailbag section if, if we ever get mail. Uh, matchmadeinspace at gmail.com. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I, I, guess I have one not. thing I just want to throw out there that's just sort of a thing to Chicago because, you know, that's where we record essentially from. We're in the suburbs, but, you know, Chicago. <laughs> Everyone says they're in Chicago when they're in, in the suburbs. suburbs. <laughs> true. How we I used to live in Real City. We really did for a long time. But um, this just this past week, uh, we unfortunately, there was another closing of a really wonderful theater um, oh, yeah. that I worked at, um, American Theater Company, ATC. 
And the, and the people outside of Chicago, they were a, a very long established company for a while. Mm-hmm. And then there was some bad issues with uh, with who was... Well, they uh, brought in a new artistic director. To, because the previous artistic director, there had been some issues. Well, no. What had happened was that they had they'd brought in a new... This is PJ. They'd brought in a new artistic director a few years back. There was a, a rift between him and the, and the ensemble. Um, that ensemble ended up leaving and starting American Blues Theater... Um, and he was doing his shows. He did shows. He did like the original Grease and brought in like all these different shows. The original Grease, by the way, if you're unfamiliar, is it's not set in a fictional beach town. It's set in the north side of Chicago, Chicago. in the 50s, yeah. back when it was a shithole. Yeah. Like it's actually neighborhoods that now are fairly nice. Right. It's really funny because it was right down the street from where we lived, a lot of the yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's true. Um, but like, it, like it's a much grittier show. I mean, yes, even the Grease musical that everyone thinks of is like like bubblegummy does have like unwanted pregnancies and things like that in it but it's very like the original was very gritty there was swearing there were real world places it was a much more grounded in reality musical and, and so in, he was uh, bringing it back to that so he was there for a few years in a, and in 2015 he uh flew to scotland um do, do for i don't know if it was a vacation or if he was actually there for work but um he got uh struck by a car and killed. yeah yeah it was a very sudden thing. it was a very sudden death and it was really it was that rocked our our, our city but then what was the the person they brought in to take yeah when i was over, saying artistic i forgot that i was actually thinking of a different company whose artistic director turned into a real piece of shit oh I yeah mean, no not that no this is i so, forgot about that this so is a totally different they brought in situation. um a new art they had they, they were flailing for a little while they brought in a new artistic director named will davis who uh took over and um and will was awesome will will probably did some of the most groundbreaking stuff i've seen in chicago um, some of the most uh, heartwarming and incredible and work inclusive and inclusive and uh, I was really lucky to have worked um, I understudied the show and got to go on for five performances uh, when he did uh, picnic and um, I really loved the company and they the the board chose to close the company rather than try to keep it open and they there was like it was implications that they blamed will as the artistic director which was really unfortunate because he came in when there was already debt and already problems and i just i have to just like say how much um i was so gut-wrenched when when we got the message that they had closed it was it was actually leaked a board member leaked it to the tribune and the tribune which is really crappy because chris jones uh who's hey i'm not in theater chris jones is a real piece of shit ignorant pig fuck um you like I, I don't know what it is about the city of Chicago and theater critics, but they're really fucking yeah. bad here. Yeah, they're fucking bad. So he ran the um, article. Before, you think sports writing's bad in Chicago? Fucking befo- film theater writing in Chicago. Before, just before, before anybody got told, the people who worked there didn't know. It was really, it was ho- horrible. And um, the worst part about it is not only did the theater close. But Will um, left Chicago yeah. and is now in New York. Yeah, he's in New York Lucky now. New York to get him because he's probably one of the best directors I've ever yeah. experienced. And, and like we're not even going to go into the fact that like like how like Will was forcing super inclusion in shows. Yeah. Like there were you know like a welcoming to trans and non-binary. Will is actually a trans man. Yeah. Like like super open, yep. super inclusive. Yep. Like the shows were like they were like went out of their way to be like no, we're bringing marginalized peoples into every show we want to make like people of color we want to make sure it's like like it was very much a open and overt political statement every play that was being made that will was connected to like a statement of inclusiveness a statement of love a statement of community and it really is kind of shitty that like will has been thrown under the bus because like basically will was ruined chicago was ruined for will i i I was gonna say will was ruined for chicago that's not true will was doing great work i'm not even i'm 
essentially almost 100% retired from theater unless something fun comes along that a friend of mine is doing. Yeah. But Will was one of the people where I was like, if I really, really, really wanted to get back into theater, I would have tried to audition for one of Will's shows. Yeah. It would have been hard for me to get in because cis white male. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but it would have been True. worse. I, uh, like, as I used to tell my uh, my wonder, the wonderful uh, professor at my college, Joey Vandervoort Cobb, who taught African-American history, uh, theater and did amazing shows, usually with all black casts. I was like, Joey, I'll play a villain. I'm fine with that i'll play scum of the earth you put me in one of your shows shows, i'll be a bad white guy i am fine with that you know like like but like uh, will is someone i i like again like watching picnic i I watched picnic twice once with ali so ali could see like the the person she was understudying and once uh with ali on stage and uh both productions were amazing both of both you and the, the woman you were understudying pat did an amazing job different but amazing um but like that was one of those shows I see them maybe once out of every 20 shows I see that make me remind me that I do love theater because I kind of, I often forget it because I see so much where the, so much of theater is just wheel spinning and jerking off from the yeah. same the same actors doing the same bullshit every time people doing mammoth and thinking it's edgy you know that kind of shit <laughs> um, you know like it's it's you know like but this was like stuff where it's like like fucking doing picnic a play from the 50s and it felt more fresh and vital and like real than like half of this undergraduate level posturing you see like so that often Chris in Jones theater gives high yeah, fives too. Yeah. yeah fuck him it's so uh, true but so, um, so, yeah, yeah. yeah again i'll burn that bridge chris because i don't care yeah it's, I, I think, <laughs> you know i think long long story short in this is that I, it was just very important to me to just point out that this um it we we did lose something pretty amazing in yeah. our city and i really hope that we have not you know maybe Maybe someday Will will come back and direct for us again. That would be great. That would be amazing. Will, Will, you're welcome to come back anytime. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll perform for you. Yeah, we'll, right. we'll do Virginia <laughs> Woolf or something. Right. I don't know. <laughs> Our podcast basically is Virginia Woolf over and over again. Um, but oh, um, yeah. like, but, and that, now if you want to write an email complaining that we went on another tangent. Yes, by uh, all means. By all means do. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I think yeah. we've I think probably we've covered hit. It all. Uh, yeah. we, we, we've, another, I have no oh idea God. how long this show is. This because is going to be like, we may have to do this in two, we might have to do this in like two episodes. <laughs> for you guys. No, no, it's not so that long. long. It's not that long. Uh, but, it's, it's no longer than some of our other nightmares. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, so I think we're, we're good. So we're this good. is a match made in space. Signing off. Adios. Adios.